0: Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, episode number 111, where we go back, back to the to past. past and read a comic book from the year of publishing. You can find us every Sunday on chrisandreggie.podbean.com or subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and on VLRN Radio via the Tynolian, Tynolan Airwaves. I almost got mm-hmm. that right. Uh, it's Vartox Week, Chris. Did you know that I thought, <laughs> I didn't see it on my calendar I usually have a reminder uh, This episode is going to cover the life and times of Vartox With special emphasis on Superman number 281 And Power Girl volume 2 number 7 mm-hmm. Yeah
1: now, why are we talking about Vogtox and, and and why would anybody talk about Vogtox at the <laughs> length we're about to? <laughs> yeah, I, it's something I decided to do uh, on the blog, uh, Chris'sOnInfiniteEarth.com, where I kept finding uh, when I when I started digging into the Bronze Age of Superman, the issues you see the most are the ones with this strange, balding, mustached man in brown on the cover. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, it just—it just—I was in—I was stupefied by this character, and uh, when I started reading about who he was, I found out that he is Vartox, and uh, we will talk about who he was based on and uh, all of his characteristics as we go on. But uh, I decided once I finally found his first appearance to do a little thing I called Vartox Week on the blog, which ran about a month.
0: Yep, because... that was. The... <laughs> Vartox that week turned into a Vartox life almost. So.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, it was kind of a little running gag there at the blog where Vartox week went on for something like 28 days or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh it's just a character that really uh really stood out as being of its time because uh really the, the mid 70s is when he showed up and you you couldn't have a character like oh, this yeah. at any other time. Yeah. And uh, he just so perfectly encapsulated that era and Just won me over because uh, he challenged my preconceptions about what I thought this character was going to be. I I, I thought he was going to go one way. He went very hard the other And even several other ways As we'll get into (laughs) It's true, it's true So uh, let's get into it here Who is Vartox? Now Vartox is a hyper-powered superhero Who hails from the planet Valoran His powers are considered to be at the very least Equal to those of Superman His real edge, however, is in his level of experience He is a little bit older Or a lot older Yeah uh, his powers are also highly convenient. <laughs> he always seems to have just the right power for any given situation. Sadly, as we're about to find out, he doesn't come equipped with hyper luck. Uh, now, this character is this character design is based on Sean Connery's character from the film Zardos or Zardos. So, what is Zardos? Well, that is a 1974 Irish-American science fiction film, which was written, produced, and directed by John Borman. Borman was born January 18, 1933, and he's an English filmmaker. Uh, he came from Shepperton, Middlesex, England. He won five Academy Award. Nomination Alright um, In 2004 he'd received the BAFTA Fellowship For Lifetime Achievement from the British Academy Of Film and Television Arts He says of Zardos The Zardos world was on a collision course With an effet eternal society Okay Yes, he says he was was inspired to write Zardas while preparing to adapt The Lord of the Rings for United Artists back in the 70s. Uh, this never came to pass, as U.A. feared the cost of production, and uh, since those films did come out later, we know that they were very expensive to produce. Yeah. Uh, it's worth mentioning, we guess, that uh, he was also the director for Deliverance in 1972, that Burt Reynolds movie. Sure. As well as Exorcist, Exorcist II, The Heretic in 1977, which is widely regarded as one of the worst Films of all time
0: Do you think that he did uh, Zardoz because he did so well with Burt Reynolds, they were like, well he he can handle a Mustachioed uh, lead character He got typecast Any (laughs) any mustache will do So again, let me know, Chris, what the heck is Zardoz?
1: Well it starred Sean Connery And Charlotte Rampling And
0: so what is it?
1: A film from May to August 1973 in Ireland at Oddmore Studios And it's about... Roger Ebert, then of the Chicago Sun-Times, described
0: it as a genuinely quirky movie Alright, so can we finally talk about what happens in the movie?
1: Alright, alright, it's gonna get weird though We're gonna jump to the far-flung post-apocalyptic future of 2293 Where humans are split into two groups We've got the Brutals, who are mortal and barbaric We have the Eternals, who are the Affet Society, and they are, well, immortal right. the Brutals live in a wasteland, and were, and they're responsible for growing food for the Eternals. And the Eternals live in, like, this kind of a plush paradise called the Vortex. <laughs> a giant stone head directs the middlemen here. They're called Brutal Exterminators. They're the ones who kill the other Brutals, and uh, they do so by the bidding of a giant stone head. Other things that the giant stone head says is, The gun is good. The penis is evil. What? And it continues The penis shoots seeds and makes new life And poisons the earth with a plague of men As once it was But the gun shoots And purifies the earth Of the filth of brutals Go forth and kill And so one brutal exterminator Named Zed Stows away on the giant stone head And meets himself some eternals
0: So Sean Connery isn't Zardoz No, no, he's Zed And Zardoz is... The giant floating stone head. Oh, now I get it. (laughs) So, yeah, Zed arrives in the Vortex and meets a pair of Eternals who overwhelm him with their psychic powers and take him prisoner, keeping him for study. One of his tasks is something of a rickshaw driver for the Eternals. Uh, They also show him a film of women mud wrestling to see if he gets an erection, and uh, he does. Hey. To the Eternals, sex is something from the old times. Zed eventually learns that the Eternals are kept alive via the protection of an an artificial intelligence called the Tabernacle. Since they live forever, they grow bored and the men become impotent. The Eternals no longer even sleep, they only meditate. It kind of sucks when you're bored, you can't even sleep. I mean, (laughs) let's get that done. Uh, Some even get stuck in this meditative state. They're called the apathetics. I think there might be a message in this movie, Chris, do you think? Possibly. <laughs> a
1: little subtle. A <laughs> little bit subtle. A little uh, subtle. You gotta uh, really read between the lines.
0: Really. <laughs> a- a turtles don't mess about when it comes to setting rules for their society. Their failure to comply could result in being artificially aged and deemed a renegade. When an eternal dies, they are reborn in an artificial body identical to their original, and uh, we'll apply that to the comics later on.
1: Yes, we'll also apply the artificial aging as well Uh, (laughs) Now, uh, the Eternals are surprised that Zed isn't quite as savage savage as they thought And he's actually rather intelligent This is because he is the result of a long-running eugenics experiment Conducted by Zardos, or Arthur Frame, the dude who was the voice of Zardos Uh. He was trying to make himself a superman Hmm, interesting. Mm. We and he learned that back in the long ago, Fran encouraged Zed to learn how to read, then showed him L. Frank Baum's The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Get it? Wizard of Oz. Wizard Oz. Oh now Zed is not happy to learn this, as it proves that it proves to him that he had been worshiping a false deity, and rather was just being taken advantage of like a puppet by this <laughs> weird fellow. Yeah. Uh, it's worth noting that Frayne has a painted-on beard, and it's pretty hilarious. Like he's got like a like a like a villainous mustache, but it's it's just painted on. Why? It's, Why it's was wild. he
0: just do
1: that? <laughs> I don't know. Now uh, later on, there's a schism among the Eternals, and half of the these Eternals want Zed dead. Zed and some friends are able to learn the mysteries of the Vortex and Tabernacle. Zed then brings more brutal exterminators into the Vortex to kill a slew of the Eternals. Uh, many of the Eternals are so bored that they're <laughs> kind of okay with that. Oh, something. that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Just stick it in. It's S- fine.
0: Something now, uh, <laughs> to do, I guess, you know.
1: <laughs> now, Zardos ends with Zed and an Eternal named Consuela having a child who grows up with them inside the giant stone head. Now this sequence is is a little is a little lengthy, and it features no speaking, only Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, Movement Two, Allegretto. What the heck! The, the boy grows into adulthood and leaves his parents, who then join hands, remain, and age and die. Oh. Eventually, it's just a pair of skeletons holding hands. The last thing we see is uh, our painted handprints on the wall of the inside wall of the giant stone head. And Zed's pistol. Now the film is now, somewhat unsurprisingly, a bit of a cult favorite. Oh
0: yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that's the only way it can be a favorite. It really is the right? cult way.
1: <laughs> and it's also kind of kind of difficult to find uh, find it on DVD at a decent price. It's, uh, it 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 seemed to get like one of those limited release when they were yeah. throwing everything on DVD and. Uh, just like a boilerplate deal, and can't find it for the cheap. I, I've been keeping an eye out every time I go to my usual haunts, yeah. And uh, haven't come across it yet.
0: I might have to start. I keep an eye. What I love is this movie is somehow the outgrowth of working on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like, <laughs> it's like crazy. where where did that come in? Like they were just like, hmm, I, if we took the story a different direction, it would somehow end up like this, you know? Like, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: that <laughs> and, makes and sense. And we'll, we'll attach some pictures of what Sean Connery looks like in this in this uh, movie. It's. Like he's wearing like a like a big red diaper almost. Yeah. And like straps over his chest. It's it's wild.
0: You definitely see the Connection between the characters, but oh, I, absolutely! It's, there's, it's not a one-for-one, one, uh, no. Z- Vartox to Zed uh, relationship here. <laughs> so now that we've learned all about Zardoz, let's learn about or meet Vartox for real in Superman number two eighty-one, November nineteen seventy-four cover date. Story is titled "Mystery Mission to Metropolis" by Carrie Bates and Kurt Swan. So let's meet Carrie Bates. We're going to be dealing with a lot of his work in this episode. Indeed. Uh, born 1948 in Pennsylvania, Bates began submitting ideas for comic books covers to DC Comics at the age of 13. A number of them were bought and published, first being the cover to Superman 164, February 1964 cover date, drawn by Kurt Swan. Bates began to sell stories to DC when he was 17, and he started working there proper in 1963. He's best known for his work on such titles as Action Comics, Captain Adam, The Flash, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, and Superman. In the interest of this episode, Carrie Bates co-created Vartox. Infantino returned to the Flash title with issue number 296 April 1981, and he and Bates collaborated on the series until its cancellation with issue number 350 in October 1985. Bates became the editor as well as the writer of the Flash title during this time, and oversaw it until its cancellation in 1985, and yes, he wrote and oversaw that long trial of the Flash.
1: Yeah, we won't hold that against him. At least not today. (laughs) Not today. Uh, Now, his final Superman stories were Trapped in Imp TV in Superman 421, which was drawn by Kurt Swan, and also Superman for a Day. That appeared in Action Comics number 581, which was drawn by Kurt Schaffenberger. Both of those comics were cover dated July 1986. In 1987 and 88, he wrote some stories for Marvel Comics' New Universe line, and he also created the Video Jack series at Epic Comics, along with Keith Giffen. Carrie was the head script writer on the 1988-92 through live-action Superboy television series. That's that uh, syndicated one. Yeah. In, uh, in I, 2008.
0: I, didn't, I didn't know he did that. That's pretty
1: awesome. Yeah, neither did I. Neither did I. Uh, in 2008, he returned after a 20-year absence to Marvel, and he wrote True Believers, which was drawn by Paul Gulesi. Uh It's a limited series about a team trying to uncover secrets in the Marvel Universe. Bates would make a return to writing Superman in an Elseworld story called Superman, the Last Family of Krypton, and that was published not too long ago, August 2010. Mm-hmm. We jump across the table to meet Kurt Swan. Douglas Curtis Swan was born February 17, 1920. His father was a railroad worker, and his family moved around a lot during Kurt's childhood. He enlisted in Minnesota's National Guard's 135th Regiment, 34th Division, in 1940, and he was sent to Europe as part of the Allied support. Uh, Swann spent most of World War II working as an artist for the GI magazine Stars and Stripes. While at Stars and Stripes, he met France Heron, the writer, who uh, eventually directed him to DC Comics. Apart from a few months of night classes at the Pratt Institute under the GI Bill, Swann is an entirely self-taught artist. Which is quite an accomplishment. Absolutely.
0: Shortly after returning to civilian life in 1945, he and his new wife moved from Minnesota to New Jersey and began working for DC Comics. After a stint on Boy Commandos, he began to just pencil pages, leaving the inking to others. Initially, Swan drew many different features, including Tommy Tomorrow and Gangbusters, but slowly he began gravitating towards the Superman line of books. His first job penciling the iconic character was for Superman number 51, March through April 1948. Our research shows that Swan began penciling the Superboy series with its fifth issue in 1949. He drew the first comics meeting of Superman and Batman Superman number 76, May, June 1952. Swan always felt that his breakthrough came when he was assigned the art duties on Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen in 1954. Swan didn't take, li- take to li- uh, sorry. Swan didn't take to Swan didn't take to line editor Mort Weisinger's controlling <laughs> style. Swan discussed his this period in an interview. He said, "I was getting terrible migraine headaches and had these verbal battles with Mort. So it was emotional, physical. It just drained me, and I thought I'd better get out of here before I go wacko." After leaving comics for the advertising world in 1951, Swan soon returned for National's higher paychecks. And, as Kurt biographers note, the headaches went away after Swan gained Weisinger's respect by standing up to him.
1: In the view of comics historian Les Daniels, Swan became the definitive artist of Superman in the early 60s with a new look to the character, which re- would replace Wayne Boring's cleft-chinned, angry dad version.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, f- I find this this is an amazing, a really good insight because... You know, Batman got a new look. Uh, sure. Obviously, the Flash, uh, Green Lantern, even Green Arrow. We we think of those guys. Batgirl getting their new looks, uh, but we don't think of Superman. But he totally did. And absolutely, uh, the Kurt Swan Superman is probably the Superman you're thinking of in your mind when you think of him, or you're or you're thinking of Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is one of the two. Sure. That's almost definitely the guy you're
1: thinking of. Absolutely. Now, over the years, Swan was remarkably consistent and prolific artist, often illustrating two or more titles a month. I mean, if you look at a Bronze Age DC book, more often than not, Kurt Swan's name is attached, if not on the feature, in the backup. In the backup, Uh, or the cover or something. Absolutely. Uh, He also co-created characters like... Varta How about that Uh, Now after DC's 1985 12 issue limited series Crisis on Infinite Earths And with the impending 1986 revision of Superman By writer and artist John Byrne Swan was released from his duties On Superman Indeed whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow By Kurt and Alan Moore Which appeared in Superman number 423 As well as Action Comics 583 September 1986 cover date Those were his last in continuity Regular jobs with the character uh, Swan would pass away on June 17th, 1996. He also did that one, uh, that one comic for that rich guy, right? Which like one? a rich guy wanted a he wanted like a, like a totally tailored Superman story for like a party.
0: I think I remember this here. Yeah, he drew he drew the entire thing. Yeah.
1: Yes, but that that that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, into the story, <clears throat> we open in prologue. We've got two scenes going down concurrently. One of them is in Rosie's Cafe in Metropolis, and the other, trillions of light years away.
0: In Metropolis, there's a holdup.
1: Really? really robbing a cafe?
0: Yeah, what are you going to get, like 30? Ain't there a bank down the block? 30, 40 bucks out of that? Maybe. The thief says, empty the register, baby, and I mean all of it.
1: Our blonde waitress instead triggers an alarm under the counter.
0: Wrong move, sucker. You shouldn't have pushed the alarm button. He shoots her dead. At the same time, trillions of light-years away, a very similar-looking blonde woman just dies. As she falls to the floor, we can see a very manly photograph on her nightstand. You see, Mm -hmm. this was Vartox's wife.
1: Yes. Vartox arrives home to find his fallen bride, and the doctor hasn't the foggiest idea what might have done her in.
0: I have no medical explanation for what happened to your wife. I am truly sorry. There is nothing...
1: You did everything you could, Doctor. Please, leave us alone now.
0: Vartox sheds a single tear and vows to get to the bottom of this. As he flies through the Valerian city, people address him as Vartox, their superhero. Vartox takes takes his wife's body to a science place so they could perform an autopsy scan.
1: Now, you'd almost figure the doctor would suggest something along these lines, right?
0: Especially if it's just a scan, right? Just, yeah, He's just like, pop, I don't know. Can pop this one into, her into the Xerox machine and see what comes out. <laughs> uh, after some study, the science gang draws their conclusion.
1: Yes, Vartox goes, incredible. You mean to say my wife died just because, because some other woman in a far-off galaxy? Another woman died?
0: Not just any woman, Vartox, but your wife's bionic
1: twin. Then a bold scientist goes, it's beyond our knowledge to explain how or why, but the fact remains. Both women were biologically linked across interplanetary space.
0: Accordingly, whenever she felt pain, your wife suffered their identical pain.
1: How in the hell would one test for this? <laughs> like, are bionic twins something that Valerians know is a thing? Like, like, does this come up often? Oh,
0: or yeah, like... it's, the, it's the Corsican, uh, you know, <laughs> test they have to do. Uh, I mean, you, you really think if this were the case, if they were bionic twins controlling the feelings of others... They'd really be protective of these things, right? right? They would really be on top (laughs) of
1: this. No, it's worth noting, the last scientist who spoke, his word balloon is edited. The word pain is inserted over something else that we couldn't hazard a guess as to what was originally there.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Could it just be the word feelings or something? (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Vartok's vows, and he does vow a lot, you'll find, yes. to find out how his wife's bionic twin died, and decides to use the time stanscope time-standscope, with a dash of his own hypervision, to research what went down on Earth, and he witnesses that holdup at Rosie's Cafe.
1: Yeah, he thinks to himself, that Earthling criminal has no inkling that he's responsible for two killings, not one. And no matter what punishment Earth justice may decree for him, I shall be... he shall be punished accordingly to my world's justice.
0: The Times Dan Scope then shows Superman.
1: However, there is a complication. In the person of a super-powered crime fighter, much like myself, Superman.
0: Vartox knows that if he were to simply go to Earth and nab the killer from his jail cell, Superman would stop him.
1: Wow, so they caught the guy then?
0: I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Next thing we know, Vartox is flying above Metropolis, and Superman is there waiting for him. Because... And get this now. Vartox sent ahead an intergalactic gram to let Superman know he was coming. What do you think the uh-huh. fee on that kind of thing is? Uh, in it, he, he probably explains.
1: Probably sent it uh, cash on delivery.
0: Probably wasn't COD <laughs> yet. Yeah. Uh, in it, he explains that he wants to impose some Valerian justice on this killer.
1: I see you received the intergalactic gram I transmitted, Superman. So you know I'm here.
0: Yes. I know, Vartox, but I can't let you go through with it.
1: We probably ought to mention that almost every single line in this issue that doesn't end with a question mark ends with an exclamation
0: That's point. That's right. There was shouting a lot here.
1: Now, our foreign fashion plate informs Superman that he wasn't asking for permission in the matter and he flies off. Superman attempts to pursue, however, Vartox is able to uh, emit smoke, (laughs) which covers his getaway.
0: Is he a Godzilla character? What happened? He might be. Don't know what sort of paralyzing effect it might have on me, but thanks to my super speed arm fanning, I don't have to find out.
1: Super speed arm fanning. It's uh, right up there with super ventriloquism in the pantheon of underappreciated super oh, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, at the prison, Lois is meeting with the killer from Rosie's Cafe. We learn his name is Frank Sykes.
0: Alleged killer from Rosie's Cafe.
1: Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> now, uh, Frank has promised her a big scoop. However, before he can deliver, he is yoinked out of the jail by... Vartox. Yeah, Frank
0: says, Hey, what's going on? Who busted me out of the slammer?
1: You're under arrest, Earthling. I'm taking you to my world, where you'll be placed on trial for murder. What you talking about? Just then, Superman shows up, and they fight.
0: Lois, upon hearing the hubbub, rushes outside the prison in order to get a better look at the battle.
1: Yes, and as Vartox delivers a kick, he says, I am more powerful, faster, and far more experienced.
0: And Superman thinks to himself, <clears throat> fighting me with remote control blows
1: Wait a second, did he just grunt in his mind?
0: Yeah, second, remote control blows? What, right? what is that? <laughs> uh, Vartox lets loose with hypercharges Which ricochet off Superman's chest and hit You guessed it, Lois Lane And mm. Superman is too late to stop it
1: Yes, Vartox watches Superman cradling a dead Lois And says, S- Superman, I-, I never meant for anything like this to happen Believe me, I- I'm sorry then he thinks to himself, this Lois Lane, I can sense he truly loved her. Then, the other shoe drops. This entire scene was nothing more than a mental projection.
0: Wait, so there was no intergalactic, gram? Nope,
1: nope.
0: No big scoop from Frank Sykes?
1: Uh-uh.
0: Well, oh, that was a wonderful use of five pages, then.
1: Sure was. Uh, We'll let Vartox explain it. uh, Back in Valoran, he thinks to himself, By hyperpower, I mentally projected what would most likely happen if I carried out such a battle plan. A clash between Superman and myself, ending in the death of the woman he loves. What cruel irony. To avenge the death of my mate, I would doom his future mate. So I was about
0: to... I don't know, just not fire a hypercharge into Superman's chest? You can try that. That might help. Uh, Vartox decides uh, he vows to figure vows, out another yes. way. Yeah, a legal way to extract his revenge on Frank
1: Sykes. Yes, we shift scenes back to Earth, They're the real Earth, not a mental projection, as far as we know. We think. Uh, no, Lois and Clark are headed somewhere. While in the car, they discuss the Frank Sykes case. It turns out he managed to get away with murder uh, Worse yet, the law prohibits double jeopardy So he cannot be tried for the same offense twice
0: Double jeopardy is a clause in the Fifth Amendment Of the United States Constitution which states Nor shall any person be subject to the same offense To be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb Though mistrials are generally not covered under this Doesn't sound like we've got one of those here though So uh, yeah, Sykes is a free man
1: He is. Vartox arrives on Earth here, but doesn't do much of anything just yet. Next stop, we go to a hotel room where we meet Frank Sykes. He's on the phone with his brother, Teddy.
0: Thanks for getting me that lawyer, Teddy. He sure pulled the right legal strings to spring me.
1: Never again, Frank. You're on your own from now on. This
0: is goodbye. And then Teddy's tone then very abruptly changes. It's almost as though, as though he's being possessed by someone.
1: Listen, I've sent a very special friend of mine over to your hotel. He'll see to it that you never have to worry about the police again.
0: And then as Teddy hangs up Yeah,
1: Teddy thinks to himself, What in Blazes made me go through that phony special friend routine? I wouldn't help my brother Frank again if his worthless life depended on it. It was like some power possessed me for a moment.
0: Yeah, we we pretty much figured that out, you know, thank you. So Frank turns around and finds Vartok standing in his room
1: talks in a tailored suit, even.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fra- Frank says,
1: hey, Who are you? How'd
0: you sneak into my room?
1: Cooler, pal. The name's Vart. Your brother sent me over to help you out.
0: Help? I don't need no help. Especially from a dude like you.
1: You're uh, Your police arrest say you're wrong. From now on, I'm your partner. You and me are going to pull a crime wave like this city's never seen.
0: And then Vart asks Frank to snap his fingers And once he does, they teleport inside the jewelry store
1: Spiffany's. Hey, clever, I think I had breakfast there once <laughs>
0: Yeah Frank <laughs> says, "Criminy, How'd you
1: work that? I didn't, you did Me? Vart and Frank steal a gem so large you could choke a horse with it It's really, it's comical <laughs> Wow, what a beaut Must cost plenty Like they say, pal, it's worth a king's ransom
0: you know, I hate to be that guy, but who is they in that situation? I don't know. I mean, yeah. Who would even say the phrase King's Ransom in, in the 21st or 20th century? With another snap of his fingers, Frank and Vart appear, reappear inside the hotel room. Meanwhile, across town, Lois and Clark are taking a judo class. Naturally, Lois is tossing Clark around like a rag doll.
1: Yeah. She goes, That's the third time I flipped you, Clark. When will you learn to use the counter move our instructor showed us?
0: Uh, probably when he stops enjoying being flipped by you, honey.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a uh, touch junkie. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> while on the mat, Clark uses his telestop- tel- telescopic vision to peek into Sykes' hotel room, and he sees him bobbling that Spiffany's gem.
0: Uh, Clark, while holding his gut, says, Oh, that last fall was too much for me. Got to get to the locker room. I think I'm going to be sick.
1: Now, instead of heading off to vomit, Clark soups up to check in on Frank Sykes and his beefy new running buddy. Before he arrives, however, Vartox drops a bombshell.
0: Yeah, Frank is still kind of bobbling the gem around <laughs> in his hands, and he's like, What? This sparkler's from another planet. What's gang?
1: I assure you, this gem is priceless, but only on my world, millions of miles away. Somehow I believe you, but I
0: don't get it. The way you talk and dress?
1: Merely camouflage tactics. The better to blend among you earthlings without arousing suspicion. But enough of this talk. We must be on our way.
0: Superman bursts in and Vartox makes it look as though Frank Sykes is using superpowers to keep the Man of Steel at bay. Mm. Superman's turned into a human corkscrew and sent drilling all the way to the ground floor of the hotel. By the time he can recover, Vartox and Sykes are already gone.
1: Instead of uh, pursuing, Superman instead goes to Spiffany's. The uh, owner assures him that nothing is missing, and they've never carried a gem like the one he's being described. Mm. Meanwhile, Vartox and Sykes are traveling toward Valoran via a glowing transport trail. Superman can see it, and he ultimately decides to follow along. He even smashes an asteroid that was in their path. Oh, Heck of a guy.
0: That's a nice thing, yeah. Uh, at this point, we ought to say it seems like Superman's more curious than suspicious, uh, and Vartox notices that as
1: well. Yes, he he sees Superman and thinks to himself, "He's leaving us alone."
0: Uh, then they uh, both of they all arrive on Valorard, and Frank says, "Okay, Vart, we've landed. Now, where's my reward for this rock?"
1: Come on, on, dude, you just got here, like a a second ago Take
0: a break, uh, take a load off and have a drink or something Yeah Uh, Vartox then reveals himself
1: Not like that, though Hey! (laughs) (laughs) The name is Vartox, and make no mistake, you'll get what's coming to you Now that you're in my legal jurisdiction, I arrest you for the murder of my wife What? (laughs) Vartox explains everything, bionic twins and all You tricked me! I
0: was kidnapped and brought here!
1: That's illegal! Not a law was broken, Sykes. I carefully worked out my plan so you'd come of your own free will. And thanks to your greed, you did.
0: I guess uh, Spiffany's is cool with trespassing in the wee hours, right? Right. As long as you don't steal anything, go, you know, sure. walk Feel free to browse, folks. Just yeah. don't touch anything.
1: Feel things. Yeah, you're
0: good. <laughs> Just don't take it. Sure.
1: Uh, now, Vortox grabs Sykes by the collar.
0: Where, where are you taking me?
1: To the Punishment Bureau, and I advise you That on my world, the penalty for murder Is 60 years
0: And then Superman arrives to Congratulate Bartox? <laughs> sort of. uh, he's done his homework on this situation And he sympathizes, he sympathizes with his loss
1: Also, while he's happy He didn't break any laws Trespassing notwithstanding He cannot leave Frank Sykes on valoran For the next 60 years Well,
0: about that
1: Fartok says, no problem, Superman. You could take Sykes back with you now. He's already served his time.
0: And then a hooded Sykes is escorted out.
1: As Fartok un- unmasked the, uh, Frank Sykes, he revealing a much older face. <laughs> As you can see, Sykes' age has been accelerated by 60 years.
0: And at this, Superman... Doesn't even bat an eye. I got no. you know. I mean, <laughs> how is this? How is this okay? Uh, we gotta wonder if the accelerated aging is better or worse than the management of the Phantom Zone. I don't. Uh, God, that's that's a toughie. That is yeah, a toughie. I would say Superman
1: just saw Zardos. And he, he knows. He <laughs> knows what you do with the the accelerated aging. Exactly. <laughs> now we wrap up this issue and the first appearance of Vartox. With Superman heading back to Earth, Frank Sykes under his arm.
0: He thinks to himself, "The scales of justice have balanced out. Frank Sykes got away with murder on one world, only to pay the penalty for it on another." And oh boy. now, Chris, isn't the, I mean, this is probably the most succinct case of entrapment <laughs> I've ever. I mean, he was actually literally removed and trapped elsewhere. So you know what I mean. Yes. So uh, yeah, that was a good one.
1: It was indeed, but we're not done yet We're not. We're barely even started oh, yeah. uh, We've got Vartox's second appearance Which would come like three or four years later uh, Action Comics number 475 September 1977 cover date Story is called The Superhero Who Refused to Hang Up His Boots By Bates and Swan We open up on Vartox's home planet of Valoran Where a pair of goons Dressed in suit suits Are robbing a family dressed like rejects From the Legion of Superheroes Now, the father of this nuclear family lets the baddies escape because, mathematically, their chances of getting away clean are slim. Indeed, no sooner do they skip out than they are pursued by Vartox. Mm. They blast him in the belly with their Z-charge gun, and uh, it looks like it actually affected our man, though uh, he does hide it during the fight.
0: After nabbing the bad guys, they're taken away by the police, and once they're out of sight, Vartox doubles over in
1: pain. He yeah, thinks to himself, the specter of age is finally taking its toll on my hyperpowers.
0: He knows he's got to keep this on the down low, though, lest other villainous Valerians realize his weakness and become a bit more froggy and take advantage. Uh, hopeful that, this Kryptonian, that his Kryptonian counterpart might have some advice for him, Fartox decides to tune into Superman via his scan scope beam.
1: Yes, uh, he sees Superman busy saving a construction site from an out-of-control wrecking ball.
0: Man, DC had some whack Bronze Age villains. (laughs) Really?
1: Well, that's not that's not all, because among the construction crew is Andrew Meta from (laughs) from Andromeda. Oh, right. Uh, You might, or you probably don't, but you might know him better as the villain Carb Brack. Same forward and reverse. (laughs) Uh, His first appearance is Action Comics four sixty. June 1976 cover date, and he is possibly one of the ugliest character designs of the era. It's it's not a pretty sight. No. Uh, here he was introduced as a villain, but here he's a good guy for now. You see, he's got a uh, get this allergy to superheroes, which is currently somehow being kept in check. So,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Vartos <laughs> continues to watch and somehow deduces from what he's seen the answer to his problems may lay with Carb Brak. Uh, this won't make much sense as we go on, but try, try to hang in there. Uh, that evening, Clark Kent is presenting the news on WGBS when word comes in that there's a phone booth nearby just brimming with atomic energy. After sending it over to Steve Lombard's sports segment, Clark excuses himself, excuses himself to check on the phone booth. Uh, he's probably afraid of gimmick infringement here, I'm assuming.
1: Probably, yeah. And so across town, sure enough, there is a glowing phone booth. Surrounded by curious metropolitans, by the way Jeez, my mom used to make me hold my hands
0: Over my privates when I used the microwave, you know I know, right? These guys are gonna get it
1: (laughs) And from the phone booth bursts Carb Brack (laughs) He and Superman struggle for a few moments Before Brack vanishes And not a second too soon, though Because uh, Clark Kent is needed back on the set Now this issue wraps up with Carb Brack Busting through the wall of the WGBS news set To attack Clark Kent Outside the window, Vartox is floating by And he's worrying that Superman won't forgive him For what he's done
0: What have you done, Vartox? Mm. Uh, we'll start to find out in Action Comics Number 476, October 1977 Cover date Titled The Attack of the Anti-Superhero By Carrie Bates and Kurt Schaffenberger Car Brack has Clark Kent Bent over backwards over his news desk Thinking quick, Clark uses his heat vision To turn out the lights And in the darkness, he makes his escape he grabs Brack and flies out the window through some very black plumage from a nearby smokestack.
1: Yeah, how, how smoggy must Metropolis be if a single smokestack is this damn sooty? It's you like know, a
0: there's a no-hole there. I mean,
1: <laughs> no, this smoke service is a perfect cover-up for Clark to change his clothes unnoticed.
0: Wait a minute, wait. We're pre-crisis, Right. Yes. So, yeah. like, where Superman can, like, literally push planets out of orbit, he needs to cover of yeah. soot to change his clothes. He can't just, like, <laughs> whirl in a circle and do it.
1: <laughs> and it was at this moment that John Byrne said, Aha! Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth noting here that Clark initially forgets to remove his glasses here. So, uh, we do get a few panels of uh, Metropolitans going, I could us one, I saw glasses. Uh, so, Superman and Carb Brack continue fighting until the Andromedan falls victim to a fever. He seizes a bit, and then he just passes out. Superman scoops him up and heads to the Fortress of Solitude to give him a once-over. Once there, Carb Brack comes to and explains that his allergic reaction has been cured.
0: What? But they just fought, like, three panels ago, not that long ago.
1: Well, you see, the fever he had was due to the presence of another superhuman, which was the uh, second part of the cure. Stick with us here. Right. His allergy was triggered, then cured, all courtesy of Vartox. Hmm. Superman is shocked to learn that Vartox is back. I mean, it's been used.
0: Yeah, I'm sure most readers were, too. And <laughs> right. I'm sure some readers were even like, who? Yes. <laughs> uh, we shift scenes to Metropolis where Lois and Jimmy are on board a news copter, and then a skydiver comes into the scene.
1: Just just a skydiver?
0: Yep, just a random skydiver skydiving in Metropolis, why not? Oh, uh sure. the sky, you know, right over the city, that's a fine <laughs> place. Uh, the skydiver's chute gets all tangled in the chopper's blades and it looks like everybody's going to die, but then Vartok swoops in and saves the day. He introduces himself as a friend of Superman and Jimmy's all Oh yeah, I remember Superbrand mentioning a Vartox.
1: Yeah, nice try, dude. Right, <laughs> now, Lois has chills when she sees Vartox. Uh, Julia Schwartz's editorial note claims that it's, this is residual from that fake scenario. The you know the <laughs> the mental projection yeah. from Vartox's first appearance. How, how would she even know about that? Like, right? What, what, didn't that not
0: really happen? I don't understand.
1: <laughs> he wasn't even on Earth when he when he did that. 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 was like that was like <laughs> a
0: dream that he had. <laughs> Uh, so Superman returns to Metropolis And has Vartox to join him on the roof of the galaxy building And then introduces him to Car Breck Vartox tells the story of what brings him here And in it, Superman is a visitor From another planet who is suffering power loss He, Vartox that is Is Earth's champion in this tale He suggests Superman having stolen Car Breck's energy Leave the Earth
1: Sounds like the poor dude has just lost his mind Oh yeah Carbrak uh, actually buys in On Vartox's take on the story
0: Yeah, Superman thinks to himself Vartox is all mixed up He's just explained his own predicament And reasons for coming to Earth The energy toxins from Carbrak Not only revitalized him They also deranged his mind
1: Knowing better than to reason with a pair of Looney Tunes, <laughs> Superman heads home To strategize uh, he comes up with a plan and he only hopes Vartox will forgive him. Oh, isn't that bromantic? Gosh, mm-hmm.
0: BFFFF. Uh, the next morning, uh, Superman confronts Vartox, who attacks him straight away with a bolt of malleable lightning. Uh, but then Vartox is distracted by the sight of his dead wife standing atop a nearby building. Superman uses this distraction to his advantage and, still pretending to be an interloper to Earth, rushes off to be with his wife, and that shocks Vartox back to his senses. Of course, Vartox's still unnamed dead wife is really Lois laid in a blonde wig and and an uncanny valley mask. Uh, Vartox, having learned his lesson, collects cabbrack, Carbrack And together they leave Earth And he stays away for a whole two years this time, too
1: He does, he does, he doesn't come back until Action Comics number 498 This is August 1979 cover date story is called The Catastrophic Man Which pretty much tells you what Vartox is, is <laughs> in this time here yeah. uh, It was by Bates and Swan now, we open with Vartox returning to Valoran after a, quote, grueling galactic patrol. Uh, Vartox, fact. Valoran is part of the Sombrero Hat Galaxy. Oh,
0: right. That's upon, they got yeah. a lot of uh, ta- Taco Bells over there? What,
1: how does that it's work? delicious. It's nice. delicious. Uh, now, upon return, he saves a little girl's uh, cute little cat beast from a tree. Oh, yeah, then the uh, the planet explodes. Oh,
0: that was kind of <laughs> rough for the cat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so far, Vartox lost his wife. His powers, his mind, and now his planet? Yeah. He's not having a good couple of years here. No. Uh, Back on Earth, Lana Lang buys a candy apple and seductively chomps away at it while millionaire Rodney Smathers attempts to chat her up, and she turns him down flat. Inside the galaxy building, Clark Kent hears a specific sonic distress call, and so he ducks into an elevator, ditching Morgan Edge in the process to change into his Superman duds. He claims two seconds is plenty of time to change his clothes, which, again, why the smokestack thing in the last issue? Right? <laughs> doesn't make any sense. We need,
1: we need consistency in changing clothes. Here. Really? Uh, now, he rushes out, and he meets up with Vartox, and, and it's, it's a great little panel here. Vartox has literally stood atop a dark cloud <laughs> like, like he's standing on a dark cloud and it would be adorable if it wasn't so sad <laughs> It's like Linus uh, from
0: Peanuts Like the reverse yes. of that or
1: something <laughs> now, He's also carrying a cute little lunch pail And we'll get more into that in a bit uh, Vartox spills the beans about Valeron, And together they head to the Fortress of Solitude In order to figure out his future Upon arrival in the Arctic They find a weird craft sticking out of a fissure in the ice Superman assumes that it just crashed Vartox corrects him, that craft has been there for centuries It's only visible now due to some glacial shifting It is, of course, lined with lead, so Superman can't peek inside
0: The convenient lined with lead Mm -hmm. Uh, Vartox has no such weakness, however, and uses his hypervision to look inside What he sees is all of the people of Valoran who he'd failed He drops to his knees and starts pounding the ice in frustration The craft then fires a beam at Superman, which naturally just bounces off his chest, and he redirects the beam onto the ship itself, and once it opens up, he sees a pair of generic robots. He beats them up, and then he blows up their ship.
1: Yeah, he actually heats up the onboard atomic propulsion system, causing a, quote, small nuclear explosion.
0: He thinks to himself, a 10-ton megaton blast isn't much by nuclear standards.
1: You know, the things we tell ourselves. Huh?
0: <laughs> really now you Oh, a nuclear blast in the Arctic won't hurt anybody. <laughs> no big deal.
1: Uh, now Superman heads over to Vartox, who is now huddled in the fetal position. Superman fears his pal might have just lost his marbles, but it turns out he was just trying to protect that little lunch pail he was carrying. Inside the fortress he reveals what the pail is carrying Rocks. Glowing rocks. From Valoran. So a Valoranite? Yeah, this won't end well. No. Um, Superman agrees to let Votox use the fortress at night to study his rocks. However, he must take a secret identity and spend his days as a regular civilian. But why? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I mean, don't know.
0: there's just no reason for that. Just let him work at the fortress. It's like, why does he have to? Reason. Zero reason. reason. Why do you have to assimilate with human society? Uh... <laughs> And so we head back to Metropolis, and it's the next day. We're in the commissary of the Galaxy Building, where Steve Lombard is acting like a jackass, causing Clark to spill his lunch tray all over himself. He picked the wrong dude to mess with on the wrong day, however, because the Galaxy Building's newest security guard happens to be good friends with C.K., and that security guard is Vernon O'Valeron. Uh-huh. What a... What a not-fake name (laughs) Uh, Vern smashes Steve's head into his own lunch tray Then causes the waste disposal unit to back up Spitting all sorts of gunk on poor Lombard That's great It is great (laughs) At this point, Vern meets Lana and its love at first sight In fact, they spend the entire afternoon together Lana is almost late for the 6 o'clock news After the broadcast, Clark and Lana meet up with Vern outside Then, the sixth floor of the galaxy building explodes into flames Vernon rushes off, and moments later, Superman arrives. Uh, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. right? Yeah, not... it
1: doesn't. Because uh, uh, this this Superman is actually Vartox using a hyper-hypnotic illusion.
0: So it's not just hypnotic? No, no, this is better. Oh, it's hyper, this... right. Okay. <laughs> yes.
1: Now, Vartox saves the day, then he returns in his civvies to make out with Lana. Uh, we, wrap up the, we wrap up back at the fortress that night, where Vartox realizes that his arrival on Earth has doomed it to suffer the same fate as Valoran. Also, you know, he, he was responsible for Valoran blowing up, too.
0: It doesn't stop with this guy. The guilt he must have is horrible.
1: Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man looks at this guy and goes, up' oh, poor sap.
0: I know, he could be worse. You know, it could be him. <laughs> uh, so, Action Comics, number 499, September 1979, cover date. As the World Turns, For the Last Time by Bates and Swan. We join Superman and Vartox as they are changing into their civilian gear in a Galaxy Building storeroom. Vartox begins to explain how dire the situation is to Superman. However, they're interrupted by that Galaxy staffer who always seems to get in the way. Uh Jennifer, what's her face? It's right. She, yeah, always, her. Yeah. she basically does what she always does, uh just busts in and, and interrupts people. Uh, in the hallway, the pair run into Lana Lang, who whisks Vernon away to another storeroom so they can make out a bit. Naturally, Jennifer walks in on them, too. Hey. Uh, she, they should probably put a bell around her neck, right, something?
1: Or at least make her carry a thing of Tic Tac, That right? would work, yeah, same yeah. Thing. Now, uh, we next join Lana and Vern as they share a picnic in Metropolis Park. And Vartox immediately, and we mean immediately, spills <laughs> the beans about his identity. <laughs> everything. The death of his wife, the death of his home world, everything. Uh, Lana is so touched. That she sheds a single tear.
0: I mean, that's like a, it's like a Hail Mary play, you know what I mean? Right? L- lay it all out in front <laughs> to see what happens. Uh, yeah, I wonder if he, she, she's crying. I wonder if he dropped a little litter on the highway
1: while he was at it or something. That's usually where you get a single tear from. Right. Now, now back at the Galaxy Building, Clark Kent receives a teletype regarding some strange going da- goings down in Corleyville, Wisconsin. Seems the Cor- Corleyvillians are certain that the world is about to end. And so Clark soups up to look into it. In Corleyville, the Corleyvillians swarm around Superman And they beg for him to take them all away to a safe planet Like Mars or or the moon (laughs) Basically, any planet without an atmosphere should do, right?
0: What makes those planets safe? I don't really (laughs) understand by your standards (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, in Metropolis, Perry, Lois, and Jimmy Receive word that this mania isn't specific to Wisconsin Indeed, the United Nations adjourned And people of all faiths are making what they expect to be Their final pilgrimages to Jerusalem On his way back to Metropolis, Superman runs into Vartox, who finally tells him what's going on. The world is going to end, and it's all his, that is, Vartox's fault. As they fly over Eurasia, this I love, they come across a jet with a red star emblem, which, get this, is about to drop a gas bomb on a populated city below to put them to sleep permanently. Uh, I've just got to repeat that A government jet is about to murder A city's worth of people Because they're scared the world is going to end Perfect sense But I have to say, I really feel like that would happen still that, 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 That's how <laughs> Scary, crazy <right? laughs> the world is uh, Superman and Vartox Neutralized this threat and Good thing it was only this one jet in the whole world That the Eure- Eurasian government set
1: I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to be thinking about that. (laughs) Now, back at the Fortress of Solitude, Vartox informed Superman that while he was on that grueling patrol last issue, he wound up bringing a theoretical X-element back with him to Valoran. Once that element came into contact with the oxygen molecules, there was a chain reaction which made, like, millions of miniature atomic bombs, and uh, boom goes the planet. (laughs) Superman ain't convinced, and he wants more proof. And so they check the molecules under their microscopic vision, and Superman finds that they look perfectly normal. And so, Vartox headbutts him.
0: Oh, yeah, that'll do it, sure. Yeah, it'll convince him. After the tussle, Vartox shocks Superman with a hyper-brain blast. When Superman comes to, he sees Vartox dressed in Kryptonian garb. Uh, He's playing Jor-El in a dramatic reenactment of pleading his case to the science council Using Kryptonian mannequins Really, Uh, Superman kind of loses his stuff over this, to be honest with you Which, you know, you can see why They fight outside, where Superman again uses his microscopic vision This time, he sees the oxygen molecules snap, crackle, and poppin' Turns out these little chunks of Valoranite Vartox brought with him in that adorable lunch pail Were the reason why the molecules appear cool inside the fortress and so, Superman and Vartox beeline line into the Sombrero Hot Galaxy To grab as much of Valorant's Rocky remains to bring back to Earth And neutralize the X-Element
1: And they do right. uh, This adventure concludes With Vartox and Lana Lang making out Atop the Galaxy building with old Vern saying farewell for he is Off to find a planet that he could be The champion of this brings us to Superman issue number 356 from February 1981. story is called Battle of the Super Hyper Powers by Bates and Swan. We open this issue with Clark, Lana, and Steve Lombard uh, about to hit the slopes. Clark is, of course, playing, the, playing up his oafish clumsiness. Steve is, of course, being a jackass. He uh, pushes Clark down the hill. As they shush down the slopes, there's an avalanche. You see a certain hyper man just whizzed onto the scene... And into the path of a jet Which causes a sonic boom Oh,
0: Vartox, you mm, rascal are going to do you? <laughs> uh,
1: now, Clark uses his super breath to push Steve to safety Before souping up and saving the day Lana watches from the top of a hill And somehow misses Clark changing into Superman uh, it's, a, it's really a moot point, though Because it's not like she'd have much of a chance to tell anyone Considering she just got snatched by a man with hairy arms
0: Oh, what the... They do realize that <laughs> Vartox is on the cover <laughs> right? I mean, we know exactly It's not like a surprise to anybody here Yeah, I know So, Clark returns to the cabin and finds Vartox and Lana in an embrace uh, He's come back to Earth to bid Lana a final farewell A final, final farewell Sure You see, he's found a planet that needs a champion Tynola
1: Hmm, so do we make a Tylenol or Shinola reference? I, I don't know
0: Either one would do, I think, in eh. this case uh, anyhow, so Vartox uses his hyperpowers to literally freeze Steve Lombard. Then he briefly makes goo goo eyes with Clark. Once Var- Vartox takes his leave, Lana spills the beans on everything Vart had told her, before excusing herself because she... wants to be alone. Mm-hmm. In the next morning, Lana and Steve wake up to a note from Clark. In it, he writes that he's not one with the snow, and decided to return to Metropolis.
1: That'd be kind of a jerk move if he was a ride. Right? I kind of hope he wasn't. Seriously, I, like what the yeah. hell? <laughs> now it turns out that when Vartox gazed longingly in his eyes the day before, he was actually hyperbeaming a secret mathematical code to him. It seems that Vartox might be at the mercy of the Tynolans. You see, they're actually creating all the threats that he must defeat. But why? And so Superman approaches Tynola, where he is immediately abducted by Vartox.
0: Why, of all the dirty tricks, Vartox! Oh. Uh, the Tynolans lock Superman in their strongest security cell before praying to an unseen entity. An entity that turns out to look like kind of like a melting gummy lifesaver. Yeah, it's pretty gross. On to Superman 357, March 1981 cover date, Food for a God by Bates and Swan. We start with Lois and Jimmy, worried that they haven't heard anything from Clark since he left for his Mammoth Mountain ski trip last issue. Lois is struck with a feeling of dread. Elsewhere, Lana's upset that her beloved Vartox is gone. This time, for good, for realsies. Also, Superman hasn't shown up at the Metropolis Civic Center where he was set to be the recipient of a humanitarian award.
1: How many of these things must he have by now?
0: I mean, I would think it kind of slipped his mind, probably Because it's like, you know, (laughs) oh right, uh, another humanitarian award
1: So where are Clark, Clark Fartox, and Superman right now? We need to know Well, (laughs) since we just discussed the previous issue like a minute and a half ago We're not surprised to learn that they're on Tynola Now, Superman is still being held captive by the Tynolans And we learn that this was all part of a ruse put on by the Super Hyper Friends (laughs) Uh, Superman would be held captive and engage in some super surveillance in order to find out why the Tynolans are creating all of these monsters for Vartox to fight. Now, it turns out the Tynolans are kind of fattening Vartox up with hyper energy, which he expends with each hyper super feat. The Tynolans, as he expends his hyper energy, they blast him with mosmic beams, which he doesn't notice he's being bombarded with because he's expending his energy as as, as fast as it's coming in. When Vartox is good and fat, they're going to sacrifice him and his Mosmic cream filling to that melting gummy lifesaver that we met last issue in the sky. We learn that that thing is called Muxumbra. It's uh, rather fortuitous to the time Nolans that Superman arrived, because if Vartox doesn't sate hum- Muxumbra's hunger... Eh, they figure those feed him Superman too.
0: Just keep stuffing superheroes into him until he's done. Sure. So, uh, that whole description made me really want to brush my teeth. I don't know why. <laughs> so, Superman attempts to escape, but it would seem that the Tynolans have done their homework on the Man of Steel. They close a dome over his head and bombard him with red sun energy. Then, Superman is loaded into a damn cannon. <laughs> the Tynolans plan to fire him into space for Muxumber to gobble up. V- Vartok arrives just as the fuse is lit. Superman is fired right up to the mouth of Moxumbra and Vartox arrives only a few seconds later Moxumbra zeroes under Vartox's Mosmic cream filling and begins to chow down Just as Vartox is about to fade out of sight, Superman has an idea He asks Vartox to blast him with Mosmic energy Vartox seems to have made peace with dying at this point though
1: I mean, after all, he's dealt with, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, also, I'd be like, what are you, Mosmic energy? What is going on? Yeah, what is that? What is happening? (laughs) How do I separate that? Uh, Is is there a switch? Uh, (laughs) He ultimately comes around, though, and blasts Superman with that Mosmic stuff. Mox Umbra abandons Vartox then and zeroes in on Superman. However, when he goes to take his first bite, we learn that Superman's powers are, get this, indigestible.
1: That's awfully convenient. Sure, that worked out nicely. Now, uh, Moxumbra disappears. Superman assures Vartox that this uh, gummy lifesaver will never return to Tynola. Back on Tynola, Vartox decides to stay. After all, the planet might actually be in need of a real champion right now. Yeah, probably not, but whatever. We'll I let mean,
0: him. I mean, they also just spent a whole bunch of time jerking you around. I mean, you really want to help these it's true. People out?
1: That's true. Uh, he asked Superman to apologize to Lana. He won't be able to return to Earth, and Lana wouldn't survive on Tynola, which, I don't know, that kind of sounds like foreshadowing to me. And, Might uh, be, yeah. Hmm, that brings us to Superman issue 373, July 1982 cover date. Story's title gives it away, Lana Lang's Farewell to Earth Ooh. by Bates and Swan. We open with Superman helping out some oil workers by carrying away a glowing and ever-expanding rock from the ground where they were digging. He flies it into space, where he runs into Vartox. Hey, his old buddy. Yeah, they reconnect, and we learn that Vartox will be in town for a few days, (laughs) something that will uh, surely perk Lana Lang up. Now, that evening, Jimmy Olsen fills in for a under-the-weather Lana Lang on the news.
0: Under-the-weather, huh? Are we calling Vartox the weather now? Hey Hey. Uh, Later that night, Vartox drops Lana off at her apartment And gentlemen that he is, he doesn't spend the night He does tell Lana that he loves her And that he's only ever loved one person like this We're going to assume that this is his, to this point, still unnamed dead wife That's what we're going to assume right now Yeah. That night, Lana thinks about how unfair it is That she only sees her beloved Vartox a day or two a year She's also upset that she can't be with him on Tynola
1: Hmm, there's that foreshadowing again. Mm-hmm.
0: just then, Lana is uh, visited, I guess, by an apparition. Uh, the ghoulish guest squirts clear pudding at her? Glana uh, uh, is soon encased in this gelatinous coating.
1: And she thinks she likes it.
0: We'll just leave that one alone, you know. She got yeah. slime, that's fine. Uh, also that night, Superman and Vartok team up to rescue an ambassador who's being held hostage in Vrzunda. Thank you. Back in Metropolis, Jimmy Olsen heads over to Lana's place to deliver her a breakfast to go from the corner cafe. He finds gas pouring off from under her door, and so he runs off to trigger his signal watch and calls Superman.
1: And Superman and Vartox arrive moments later. Superman sucks up all the gas while Vartox attends to his beloved. Superman notices that Lana is surrounded by a glowing aura. Vartox claimed that it was this aura that saved her life. Alana explains that she was visited by an apparition. It's confirmed that the gas that filled her apartment was actually Tynolan in nature, basically the Tynolan atmosphere, and so they now realize that with this aura, she could survive if she were to return back to Tynola with him. Hey! And so, that very same day, (laughs) Lana Lang quits her job at WGBS and plans to leave Earth. Uh, She's quick. Yeah, no family,
0: Uh, no friends, nothing. Okay, that's fine. Goodbye. So long, (laughs) suckers.
1: Superman and Vartox make preparations for Lana's big move, and they also chat about that apparition. Vartox suggests that it might have been his own hyper-self, fueled by a subconscious desire to have Lana return home with him.
0: Subconscious, I mean, this isn't like a secret he's keeping to himself. (laughs) He's he's pretty upfront and vocal about wanting to be with her. I don't really understand why this would have to be at the
1: forefront of his brain. If if he could
0: send a hyper apparition, he would just have to send it. Uh, (laughs) Now, the super hyper friends part company, and Vartox heads off to lay in an active volcano to relax. As he lays there, he uses his hyper vision to eavesdrop on Clark and Lana as they say their final farewells. They kiss each other goodbye, which. Vartox does not dig No Vartox swears and vows to kill the (laughs) Kryptonian As we see a woman rising from the lava in the background Over to Superman 374, August 1982 cover date Titled, Love is Deadlier The Second Time Around By Bates and Swan Vartox is still mad as a hornet about seeing Clark and Lana kiss And we should really make it clear that it was about the most innocent kiss ever recorded in four color Which should really say a lot for all the weird stupid looking kisses ever done in comics (laughs) Back in Metropolis, Lois and Lana are watching television Gossip gal and feline witch Lola Barnett is reporting that Lana fell in love with an alien And is leaving Earth Lois and Lana say their goodbyes
1: Meanwhile, Clark Kent is back in Smallville Admiring a tree that he and Lana had once carved their initials in Then, Vartox arrives he destroys the tree and then vows to destroy the cursed Kryptonian. Dude, shh. Not so loud, okay? I know, he just screams it. Yeah, going Smallville's a sleepy town. Be cool, dude. <laughs> now, Clark uses the cover of tree dust to change clothes and uh, then snaps Vartox out of his tizzy. Uh, unfortunately, Vart's hyper-landing triggered the awakening of an old tank that Lex Luthor had planted underground back in the long ago. The Super Hyper Friends team up. They turn the tank two-dimensional. Yeah, just play along. Yeah, yeah, and then they toss it into space. Um, As they follow off together, we readers can see that they're being followed by someone with a pair of very feminine hands.
0: Oh, Jimmy also made the trip to Smallville?
1: Hey! <laughs> well, no. Uh, this is actually the woman we saw rising out of the lava last issue. She's also the apparition that sprayed all that pudding over, all over Lana, uh, for reasons we don't quite know just yet. Now, that night, Lana gives her final tear-filled news report for WGBS. She leaves soon after filming to spend the night with a handsome hunk Who's out of this world We don't get to see their date Which is uh, probably for the best
0: Yeah it's probably real sweaty Mm. Uh, We do however get to join Vartok On his late night patrol with Superman Here's Vartok spills the beans About the other woman he loved as much as Lana And get this he wasn't talking about His still unnamed dead wife Who finally several years later We do get a name and it was Elira
1: Totally worth the
0: wait Yeah really Uh, The Mm. actual woman he was talking about was named Sirena A terrorist. You see, she and Vartox fell in love back on Valoran, and she gifted him a clunky love pendant, which really complemented his open vest and chest hair, really. I mean, he is the kind of guy you want to give a big, chunky necklace to. (laughs) Uh, But it makes it even worse that this pendant was actually a means for her to siphon his hyperpowers so she could pull off her terroristic feats. Uh, Vartox returned, turned her into the authorities, and then, as we know, Valoran went boom. Uh, and that's what I call a clean breakup
1: Well, not so fast hmm. uh, We're going to find out about her pretty soon uh, Now, Superman leaves so he can go to Lana's goodbye party
0: Wait a second How many damn times are we going to say goodbye <laughs> to this woman?
1: Right, It's true, right? <laughs> uh, now, this party is being held at Studio 53
0: Which is, sadly, one worse
1: than Studio 54 it's also one better than Studio Fifty Two. That's true. That is true. Yes. Uh, Vartox decides not to attend. He doesn't want to, you know, cramp anybody's style, make anyone feel uncomfortable. And he probably doesn't want to show anyone up on the dance floor either.
0: Yeah, you know Vartox can definitely disco out there. Oh, absolutely. No question. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Now we wrap up with Vartox being visited by that same blonde woman. She gets his dander up about Superman moving in on his woman, says this is going to be his last-ditch effort to, to get Lana to marry him. And so, Vartox vows to kill the Kryptonian. Again? Again. All right. Takes us to our next issue, Superman 375, September 1982, cover date. story is called The Stoning of Lana Lang by Bates and Swan. We open atop the lit dance floor of Studio 53, where Morgan Edge is sharing a goodbye dance with Lana Lang.
0: It's worth noting that Steve Lombard is dressed like a cowboy for some reason.
1: <laughs> it's true. It, just... it, would be, it would be funny if it weren't so damned adorable. Really? I mean, it good... looks like a real cowpoke. <laughs> so weird, all right. <laughs> like what your mom would dress you up in for like a <laughs> little kids, picture uh, little when kids you're five. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Lombard cuts in on the, da- on the dance. And immediately jams his tongue down Lana's throat Whoa Like, immediately Uh, Then Superman arrives and swoops Lana into his arms
0: Hey, he even takes his shirt off
1: I I think that's just a coloring error
0: Oh, well, that's probably a good thing Because Vartox busts through the roof of the place Oh Uh, He and Superman fight while the other party guests scuttle around And Vartox unleashes a salvo of his patented quadruple jolt Jolt (laughs) Which naturally ricochets off Superman's Steely chest and hits Lana Square in the back, turning her to stone Talk about being Petrified, hey (laughs) Vartox is then Arrested, let off in handcuffs Which shouldn't actually have any effect On him, but (laughs) alright Superman wraps Lana's rigid body in his cape And flies it off to the Fortress of Solitude
1: so, so, so the, the the police don't want the body.
0: Well, this obviously has the same rules as Gotham City, right? Heroes take turns. I guess. <laughs> uh, at the Fortress, Superman attempts several rejuvenation techniques. Another scene we thankfully don't get to witness, but it's no use. Lana remains a petrified woman. Superman next visits Vartox in the slammer, and it looks like Vart is finally coming to grips with his mental instability. Uh, better late than
1: never, right? I mean, how does a dude who runs this hot and cold even manage to put on his pants every day?
0: Just like the rest of us, Chris. One arm at a time. Mm -hmm. Superman assures his hyper chub that he'll get to the bottom of this, and he realizes that the answers may be in Jimmy Olsen's camera. Sure enough, everything we need is right there. Looks like Vartox's quad whatever thing actually (laughs) didn't hit Lana. That was a whole other beam.
1: What kind of crazy future camera is Jimmy using?
0: It's—I don't know. It's got to be a Minolta, though. I'll tell you, those guys are amazing.
1: <laughs> from like—it must be from like the Legion era, right? This I would think catching, so. <laughs> catching beams just like a <laughs> centimeter apart—it's ridiculous. Now, uh, before Superman can return to the jail to inform Vartox of his innocence, Vartox busts out of the clinic. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did they no. even put him in there? Right? It he, he, doesn't take much. Uh, now, the prison guards find some crystal shavings in his cell. Next, we see Vartox. He's confronting that blonde woman. Now, it's confirmed as his terrorist ex girlfriend, Sirena. He explains that he knows that she was around because the crystals he kept in his pocket were glowing. They were glowing? Vartox has pockets. That's a good I mean, point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, these crystal shards were actually pieces from that old clunky love pendant. Sirena reveals that she survived Valoran's destruction because she escaped from jail at the very moment the place went boom. Uh, she swiped a star flyer and traveled the galaxy with only one goal in mind revenge against the man who rejected her love. Vartox attempts to reason with her but uh, gets a mouthful of poison gas for his troubles. Mm.
0: Then Superman arrives and burns off all the gas. Cyrena charges at Superman, but bounces off his chest. Not unlike a quadruple <laughs> jolt, if you think about right? it. Yeah. Uh, she drops to her knees and admits to being still being in love with Vartox. Uh, she then de- agrees to de-petrify Lana. Back in the fortress, she does just that. Unfortunately for her, the only way she could do so was to take on the petrification herself. The important thing is that Lana's saved, and now she and Vartox can head back
1: to Tynola. Well, not so fast. Lana's aura is gone. She'd never survive there.
0: Oh, well, I hope WGBS makes her pay for all those goodbye parties.
1: Yeah, they gotta backcharge that, maybe garnish the wages or something.
0: A couple of grand at least. Uh, A few days later, Vartox leaves, and he takes the stone Sirena with him. Mm-hmm. Now to Superman number 389 November 1983 cover date Brother Act by Carrie Bates Paul Kupperberg, and Kurt Swan uh, In this, Vartox only appears On the final page as part of the issue's Second epilogue He's unconscious in the head of a comet
1: mm-hmm. Takes us right into Superman number 390 December 1983 cover date The issue is called Lost on a Comet By Carrie Bates, Elliot S. Smaggin And Kurt Swan We open with Hey, Vartox in the head of a comet. Sure. He he also has a brand new head of hair though. Weird. I mean, his hair filled in really nicely. Uh, now the <laughs> I, I think the hair club for men was around
0: by then, so yeah. It, it, Cy Sperling exactly uh, came by, yeah. changed a lot now, of people's <laughs> <laughs> lives.
1: Yeah. Now the comet collides with the tr- with a transport craft, which finally wakes the sleeping Valerian. Uh, he immediately repairs the hole that he'd made in this uh, transport craft, using his superpowers. For some reason, they're no longer referred to as hyperpowers. Maybe they forgot. Well, it's too bad. Maybe someone else trans- tra- uh, trademarked it. I don't know. Possibly. Uh, on Earth at that moment, Lana and Clark are having drinks in her apartment. It's worth noting that at this point, Lana and Clark are an item, so they are romantically entangled. Clark gets beeped by Perry White, which surprised me that beepers existed then. <laughs> sure. uh, and he calls into the office. While he's away, a purple clad prowler creeps into the apartment. He's very polite, though. He doesn't want to hurt Lana. He just wants something. Lana pushes the creep right over the balcony. Uh, So to his death, we'd imagine. Uh, We ought to mention that uh, Clark uh, has already left to do super things at this point. Uh, The prowler doesn't die. He actually just lands on the balcony below and into the home of an old lady. He's uh, just as polite to her as he busts through her apartment. That
0: helps, though, in life, to, be, to be polite, yeah.
1: Yeah, you put it out there into the universe, it comes back. It comes
0: back, right. Uh, we rejoin Superman, and suddenly it's daytime. Uh, could have sworn it was nighttime at Lana's place, <laughs> but I guess, you know, the night wore on. Uh, either way, Superman's at a construction site to save people from being hit by a falling crane. Before he can act, however, the crane is melted into molten slag, courtesy of Vartox. Just like his last several visits, he's there to tell Superman something, and so we shift scene to the Ramshackle home of Lana Lang's number one fan. Number one fan, creepy stalker—same difference, really. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, this guy's house is covered with pictures of Lana, and several with Clark Kent's head torn off. Mm-hmm. We join him just as he's making out with the television set. Uh, for real, he's making out with Lana's face on the screen. Yes. As she reports the evening news. Don't really know how that works, but all right. Back in the air, Vartox and Superman chat about a lot of things But not Vartox's discovery of a cure for male pattern baldness Unfortunately Vartox is also very excited to see Lana Superman's very upfront about Lana being in another relationship Uh, You know, it happens to be him, (laughs) but hey, you know Speaking of Lana, back at her apartment She receives a box of chocolates from a secret admirer This, for whatever reason, tickles Jimmy Olsen over at the Fortress, Vartox and Superman discussed missed opportunities, and Vartox is rather bummed, claims to understand Lana moving on. And so he and Superman shake hands. Wait for it. And then Vartox backhands the Man of Steel, and a fight is once again on.
1: Didn't we already read this one?
0: Sure feels like it, I'll tell you why.
1: <laughs> then Vartox uses his hyper, super, super eye beams right. in order to heat up his hands, and he blasts Superman to cinder. Only not really, the past few pages were simply a delusion.
0: I mean, there's got to be a pill for that, right? You'd figure. Or a right? pill, In a the pill wide causing world, of
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Superman and Vartox part company as the former has to attend the TVA broadcast banquet with Lana. Once he's gone, Vartox falls to his knees, coping with the loss of his lady and his mental faculties. Over at the banquet hall, Clark Kent attempts to enter... Only Clark Kent's already inside uh-huh.
0: hmm. This imposter gets tossed out on his keister Then Vartox arrives and let his own damn self into the hall For he has business to conduct And it happens in Superman number 391 January 1984 cover date Who Stole the Newswoman of the Year by Bates, Magan, and Swan This is that issue with the repurposed Jose Luis Garcia Lopez image of Superman sitting next to a giant computer monitor as its cover. We open this with Lana accepting the award for Newswoman of the Year. Vartox swaggers in, vowing to make her his again.
1: Yeah, we got to include this line here. He says, and no blue suited, pot bellied Kryptonian harlequin will keep you away from me.
0: I mean, you got to know he he rehearsed that line in the mirror more than once. More than Uh, once. It's pretty good.
1: Pot bellied Kryptonian. (laughs) It's like
0: something Dolomite (laughs) would say. I love it. Uh, Vartox attacks Clark Kent, hoisting him above his head by his lapels. Then, he then strikes that Al Bundy throwing a touchdown pose and hurls Clark through a window. Clark manages to fall safely. Duh. Uh, Vartox then goes to swipe Lana. He, th- She throws her award at Vartox, which bounces off his chest like a quadruple jolt. Yeah. He grabs her and they vanish. Not before leaving an ever-expanding photon energy star in the banquet hall. Clark soups up and brings the star his brings the star to space before it can engulf everything. He then quickly returns, making it look like he'd landed in a tree.
1: That evening, Clark Kent reports on Lana's Vartoxian abduction on the evening news. The creepy stalker is watching and he is ticked off he is so ticked off that he hurls a pillow at the set. I can only imagine what he would do if he was a even more mad. Really? Uh, <laughs> throwing a pillow. <laughs> uh, he then he then heads into the uh, the next room over where we find Lana Lang? Huh? Actually, it's just a dummy dressed up like Lana Lang. Uh, I'm really
0: not sure which is worse here.
1: Well, one is definitely worse, but they are both super creepy. Yeah, freaking uh, out a little. <laughs> we jump back over to join Clark as he dines with some fellow staffers, including Lois Lane. And it's really weird to only refer to Lois as a fellow staffer, but, yeah. uh, I mean, this is the uh, early 80s. What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, she suggests that if Superman allowed Lana to be abducted, he's clearly lost a step. Clark stops to consider that she might be right. Back with Vartox, he's headed to the Fortress of Solitude to find out everything he can about Superman.
0: Shouldn't he already, need like, know everything he needs to know? He's known him for a long time, you know? <laughs>
1: hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, after getting learnt up, Vartox heads over to the active volcano where he'd left Lana Lang. Uh, <laughs> Lana realizes that this doesn't seem like the same Vartox she was ready to wed not all that long ago and begins to smell a rat.
0: So we jump back to the creep who is reading an edition of the Daily Planet from a little while back. The one that has a front page story, Vartox Lana Lang marriage off. Uh, which isn't a contest, it means that their marriage was canceled. I just so yeah, sure. make it clear. Uh, worth noting that he's reading this to his Lana Lang love doll and he wonders how he might measure up against Vartox in a fight. Yeah, uh, let us know how that turns out, pal. All right. Yeah. He then kisses his love doll and leaves, and we all kind of get the shivers. Yeah. The next day, we join the creep as he walks past a bank that is currently being robbed. He's completely out to lunch about that, though, and doesn't even realize it. He d- he also doesn't realize that the jail- that he just stepped into the street in front of the getaway car. Luckily for him, Superman's there to save his worthless life.
1: Yeah, and then instead of thanking him, the creep actually starts laying into Superman for not saving Lana Lang.
0: Superman, thanks to himself, having just been reamed by this guy, says, whew, this one's a real winner.
1: You know that might be the cruelest thought to ever cross Superman's I think so. mind.
0: I think that's that—that's the closest he ever got to denigrating anybody, yeah. <laughs> uh, back at the volcano, Lana yells at Vartox and he vanishes. At this point, Lana's about 90% sure this isn't her Vartox. We rejoin Superman at the Fortress of Solitude and it's quite a mess. He he finds a pattern amid the chaos and deduces that Vartox has been busy digging for anything he can use against him. Uh, Superman finds this odd considering he and Vartox have been super hyper friends for nearing on a decade at this point. Later still, we meet an alien law enforcement agent from the 6th Western Cluster Precinct.
1: It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, talk about practice in a mirror, huh? Jeez. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> now the agent, Goopal, from the planet Lyra 8, <laughs> meets with Superman to explain that a dangerous Diebuck alien named Soraka has escaped to Earth. Oddly enough, our spell check more or less gives the thumbs up to that last line. Wow. Goople is the only one that gets the line under yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Soraka's good. Dybuck is good. Lyra 8? no good boy. Uh, now Goopel explains that Soraka can take possessin- possession of superhumans. Which, uh, you know, kind of gives it all away, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, su- suddenly, Superman Siraka shifts into Vartox and takes out the agent. You see, it wasn't Superman at all. Siraca realizes that his Vartox husk is just about outlived its usefulness. And he seeks to next take over Superman himself which takes us to Superman number 392, February 1984 cover date, If a Body Meets a Body by Bates, Magan, and Swan. We open with Clark Kent delivering the evening news. Tonight's top story, Lana Lang, is still missing. In other news, nothing. Really, it must be. Yeah. Uh, now, following <laughs> following the broadcast, he slinks off to change clothes in a storeroom. He is visited by the holographic head of Vartox.
0: What a pervert, although they have changed in the same storeroom before, so... Yeah, he's not new. seeing anything new. No.
1: Right. Uh, Vartox challenges the Man of Steel and really seems to get under his skin.
0: Yeah, Superman says, I suppose you'll get around to telling me what it is you want. And when your addled head, when your addled head is splattered over the countryside.
1: Wow! Jeez. Splattered over the countryside. I he's I, he's I, angry. That's
0: crazy. a little wild, yeah.
1: <laughs> Elsewhere, the creepy stalker rents a boat for a one-way trip. You see, he's planning to kill himself.
0: Yeah, he rows out a ways and writes a note to Lana and does the whole message in a bottle thing. Ah, uh, the classics. Oh, and it's here we learn his name, Wallace Girkheim.
1: Totally worth the
0: wait. Wow! Yeah. Uh, meanwhile in an Incan temple Wait, what? Yep, they, this is where Va- Vartox has taken Lana Well, uh- Sraka as Vartox, that is It's here that we get the secret origin of Sraka Which is basically exactly what Goopal said last issue He takes over superhuman's bodies Bada bing, bada boom Back in Metropolis, Wally Gurkham's death boat Floats into, into the way of a giant cruise liner Which makes short work of the dinghy Capsizing it with the quickness but then a glowing body emerges from the drink and flies off. Mm. Over at the Fortress of Solitude, Superman has a visitor, the creepy stalker. Superman grabs the geek who informs him that
1: Yes, you know me, Superman. You know me better than you think. Hmm.
0: You don't think you know mm. that that might actually make the lot along Love Doll even a bit creepier still. Might, yeah. Uh, just then, Vartox transmits a satellite image That transmits on every television screen on Earth He challenges Superman to either face him Or forfeit the Earth to
1: him Yes, and so Superman heads down to the Incan Temple Just as Lang is about to be dropped into Boiling acid, which is convenient sure. uh, Before he can save her, he's attacked by Vartox Worth noting that the creepy stalker is also here And he phases through a wall of the temple uh-huh. But is he there to save Lana or just to get a peek at her drawers? Because, uh, you know, she is hanging upside down and they're totally visible. Right? <laughs> uh, Vartags then blasts the temple with a hyperbeam, collapsing it.
0: Superman says, you you killed her. I'll kill
1: you. Hey, hey, hey. Threatening to kill? Doesn't Carrie Bates realize that Mark Wade is probably reading this? Yeah, That's not his Superman. Not body. at Come all.
0: On. He would uh-uh. read a letter in the next issue, I'm sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, just then, Soraka busts out of Vartox's chest, and attempts to plunge itself into Superman. Much like the quadruple jolt, it doesn't work. Instead, Superman takes the blob and flies out to Pluto so it could freeze.
0: So, is that better or worse than the Phantom Zone?
1: Well, you'd think he'd at least maybe have some company to talk to in the zone, right?
0: I think the Phantom Zone, is like, in this case, the other, you know, it's it's <laughs> arguably a little bit better. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have company. You have community, yeah. so again, this is where the story. takes a turn for me. Uh, <laughs> back on Earth, we learned the creepy stalker was actually Vartox, <laughs> which means that Vartox was actually making out with the with the TV set.
1: What? Don't forget the Don't don't forget the Lana love doll. What?
0: that? I mean, well, maybe he didn't inhabit Wally's body until after that geek slipped into the Stalker town.
1: I got to tell you, that's my headcanon because, you know, if not, Wallace is going to be really shocked to find that his home has become a shrine to Lana Lang. <laughs> And, and and of course, you know there is still the Lana Love doll.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like that can't be stressed enough. You're right. There, that yeah. that was deeply, deeply disturbing stuff. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, and that stalker. While it's what's his face, Lana offers him a job at the Galaxy Building. Like, <laughs> <No>. why <laughs> keep your friends close and stalkers closer? Is that the motto? Maybe. Or? Okay. Uh, so we wrap this up with Vartox and Superman shaking hands, promising to be friends forever. Aww. And then in Action Comics, number 583, September 1986, cover date, that was Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, Part 2, by Alan Moore and Kurt Swan. Vartox appears in two panels during this landmark story and doesn't get a single line of dialogue. In the second and final panel, he's cradling Lana Lang, so there's that little nod.
1: Yes. Uh, Vartox gets another mention in Who's Who in the DC Universe number 25. This is a March 1987 cover date, and it's basically just a quick and dirty look at Vartox, uh, but it's worth noting that it, emi- that it omits his final pre-crisis story arc, so uh, we're guessing that yeah. nobody wanted to tackle that Lana Lang love doll thing.
0: Yeah, right now I kind of wish we didn't either, you know it's what I mean? true, it true. Some, We were having a good time with Vartox, you know, and laughing, and it suddenly tur- took a dark turn there.
1: Yes, he's got a doll and he's making out with the TV scene <laughs> He kind of reminds strange you,
0: that, that third Clayface has kind of became, became like <laughs> that guy or something, like just loving true. a mannequin. Uh, yeah, so that is all of the pre-Crisis and Infinite Earths appearances of Vartox. Uh, mm. And you might think a character like this wouldn't slip out past the tight continuity that followed of <laughs> infinite Earth's but he did and when we come back mm-hmm. from a little break we're going to tell you all about those appearances shadows speaks to you his chosen ones the gun is good
1: It is the only path and passage into the Vortex. You will show me how you come to be here.
0: Ah! Tell me everything. My name is Zed Rosandas. I am an exterminator.
1: And it is yeah. the post-crisis DC universe. We're actually pretty late in the post-crisis yeah, DC actually universe. actually, a
0: long while after, almost <laughs> to the next crisis, even. But
1: it's almost because yeah, Vartox actually doesn't make an appearance until 1999. Uh, his first post-crisis appearance is Superman Volume Two, Number 148 from September of 1999. Cover. Story is called "Champions" by Dan Jurgens and Steve Epting. We open with Superman arriving on Mars to do NASA a solid He's uh, changing out a battery on a rover okay. And you know when you think about it Doesn't Superman and like the countless other flying metahumans Kind of make NASA obsolete?
0: Yeah well sort of um, yeah.
1: It's like all the, all them tax pay, all them taxpayer dollars wasted Because Superman could do it in the blink of an eye
0: I mean at least the flight part of it right You know what I mean That's probably sure. the biggest expenditure is the fuel and stuff And he would just take care of that So, uh, Superman is suddenly overcome overcome by a strange sensation, and he vanishes. He appears on some far-flung planet in a far-flung galaxy, and he's attacked by Vartox, Uh. who assumes Superman is responsible for his involuntary teleportation. We then meet two more champions in the form of Vestian and Paz. They agree to work together to get the bottom of their current
1: situation. We go back to Earth where we uh, check in on Smallville, where Lana Lang meets Lana—I'm uh, sorry, Lois Lane—meets Lana and Pete Ross's baby, Clark, hmm. and she's not pleased no. to, you know, <laughs> that her husband is the uh, baby's namesake. Uh, we jump back to space where the champions are addressed by their captors which are apparently the very sands of the planet that they're standing on. They need those champions to protect them from an invasion so that they can evolve and prosper. Uh, they even offer to send them home free of charge, even if they decline to help them out. This, this being Superman, of course, he decides to help them out. Uh, before they know it, they're in the thick of it. Superman wants to hold off and strategize, but Vartox just rushes in. It's it's worth noting here that post-crisis Vartox is basically just a generic guy who punches things. Mm. It's really really lame. Um, his new costume sucks too. Yeah. Uh, also, here Valoran is still a thing that exists.
0: But as we'll find, that's not super relevant later on anyway. But yeah, uh, yeah it's it's too bad. But he just becomes punchy, hairy guy, you know, essentially. That's it. Uh, now Superman saves Vartox, and after a bit of strategizing, wins the day. Turned, it looks like they're all going to be sent to their respective planets, but it turns out Superman's the only one to go home. They're being held hostage by an unseen force. This whole thing was a sham, and they're ordered to deliver both Superman and the Earth, or else their home planets of Val- Valoran Gravica Seven, and Poan will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Over to Superman, Volume Two, Number One Fifty, November, nineteen ninety-nine, cover date. Earth's Final Hour by Juergens and Epting. This is uh, worth saying that this issue is Dan Juergens' swan song on the Superbooks until Convergence, Lois, and Clark and Rebirth, and what a way to go out on a pretty legendary run of uh, Superman books. There are thousands of large drill-like needles raining onto Earth and embedding into the ground. Near Mount Rushmore, Superman attempts to pull one out and gets shocked silly. It wouldn't matter much, though, considering there's no way he'd be able to newink all of them at the same time or in
1: time. Yes. Back in Metropolis, the end is nigh, Brigade is out in force. Uh, Jimmy Olsen tries to calm them down, only to be stopped by Pr- Professor Emil Hamilton, who suggests that the panickers... Well, they might be right this Uh-oh. time. Uh-oh. Uh, now Superman heads back to Metropolis and gets hit by a truck. whoa. <laughs> Like, like a flying truck, as if someone threw it at him, because someone did throw it at him, and that someone is Vortox.
0: Oh, okay, now that all makes sense. <laughs> yeah,
1: now they make like it's the late 1970s, and they fight. Uh, soon, they are joined by the other two champions, Vestian and Paz. Uh, Superman is overcome by kryptonite gas, and then we meet the real Big Bad, Brainiac. Whoa. And he's wearing that, like, purple outfit from the animated series.
0: Yeah, that, that's yeah, kind yeah. of a weird choice, but A little bit. There's so many brainiacs, I'll really take any one of them at this point. (laughs) Uh, Superman comes to and blasts a natural gas line with his heat vision, causing a terrific explosion. Uh, We're probably not supposed to think about those potential civilian casualties here, are we? probably not. Yeah, but he, he, they, it was precision stuff, don't worry, no one got hurt. So, Brainiac and the gang don't even bother looking for Superman. I, I guess we can assume Brainiac is like an ironic name, like <laughs> right? calling a big guy tiny or something like that. <laughs> they, head to, they head for Brainiac ship, which doesn't even look like a skull. Like, oh, come, oh, come on. It's the lamest thing. I mean, this is really not a great Brainiac. Uh, but this was 1999. We were way too cool for that sort of stuff at this point. It's true. So, we shift to another scene of Lois and Lana and this time Lana Pete and baby Clarky are visiting Metropolis When rubbing it in once just Isn't <laughs> enough you gotta bring it to him
1: <laughs> Imagine how Pete must feel I
0: Really now
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna show off babe, the baby Named after the guy I really love my,
0: and, uh, and my husband's best friend While we're at right? it anyway. <laughs>
1: Now speaking of Pete, he and Lois go for a walk to get some diapers Uh, And they also talk about how uncomfortable this entire situation is Because it is Uh, Superman returns to his apartment and finds Lana and baby namesake instead of Lois Vartox and Vestian then deliver a hologram message uh, in the skies of Metropolis Demanding that Superman show himself Or they will tear down every building in the city until they find him and so Superman heads over to a rooftop and does that whole "You want some? Come get something," which uh, they do. And so they do. Uh, the champions make short work of Superman, and Vartox promises to kill him quickly and painlessly. Brainiacs all screw that and blast Superman into a pile of ashes. Whoa, whoa! Seems almost too easy, doesn't it? Just a bit, huh? Well, yeah. uh, with uh, with their job done, the other champions ask Brainiac to send them back to their respective home planets. Brainiac isn't exactly ready for that and even goes as far as to destroy Paz's home planet of Poan just for kicks. Wow. Uh, then all of those drills. Oh, yeah,
0: I forgot about them.
1: <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, now they start to glow and it looks as though Earth will be the next planet to fall. But then Superman returns uh-huh. and throws. Yeah, I know, and he throws Brainiac into one of the ship's fuel pods.
0: You see, Vartox used his Hyper Shield to protect Superman from Brainiac's blast. At the same time, Paz used his teleportation skills to send Superman away.
1: Nobody's nobody's questioning where the ashes came from, but uh, apparently this was the plan all along.
0: Yeah, nobody happened to fill in Warrior Woman Vestian on this plan either. You know, she just kind of left alone there. Uh, Brainiac pulls himself from the fuel tank and ejects the champions and then departs Earth. Vartox, Vestian, and Paz give chase, and we never see any of them ever again. Well, we will see Vartox a decade later, but it's a very different Vartox. Mm -hmm. Juergen's run ends with Superman winking to the reader.
1: Classic. Indeed, so we jump ahead Over a decade later To Power Girl Volume 2 Number 7, February 2010 Cover date Lust in Space by Palmiati, Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray and Amanda Connor Let's meet Jimmy Palmiati Born August 14th 1961, he attended the High School Of Art and Design in New York City Started at Marvel Comics in 1991 Inking titles such as The Punisher Ghost Rider, The Nom, and the Marvel 2099 line in 1994, he and his buddy Joe Casada formed the publishing company Event Comics. They co-created several characters and titles, including Ash, a firefighter with superpowers in 1994, 22 Brides about a group of girls that run the New York underworld in 1995, Painkiller Jane, a female cop with healing powers in 1996, and she actually makes her first appearance in 22 Brides number 1, also Kid Death and Fluffy about a boy and his pet robot dog in 1997.
0: Then the following year, event, columns was con- event, event Comics was contracted to do several books for Marvel Comics dubbed Marvel Knights. P- Marvel Comics, which had just filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, asked Quesada to work for Marvel in a more exclusive capacity and contracted him and his Event Comics partners for- to produce a line of Marvel books dubbed Marvel Knights. These were experimental takes on some of what were then Marvel's B-list characters, Daredevil, Punisher, the Inhumans, and Black Panther. For Marvel Nights, Jimmy inked the Casada pencil run on Daredevil, of particular note, the Guardian Devil arc penned by Kevin Smith, which is Daredevil Volume 2, Numbers 1 through 8, November 1998 to June 1999 cover dates, not to mention that aforementioned 12 issue Punisher series by Garth Ennis. Jimmy was the inker during Doug Mankey's run on X, Dark Horse Comics, Number 8, March 1993, X, Numbers 1 through 25, February 1994 to April 1996 cover dates. And Palmiati inked Steve Dillon on Punisher Written by Garth Ennis April 2000 to March 2001 In 2002, Jimmy, Amanda Connor, and Garth Ennis Produced the prestige format one-shot The Pro for Image Comics And we covered that book in episode number 69 Of Cosmic Treadmill in the archives
1: Yes, uh, Jimmy inked Paul Goulassee On Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu That ran from November 2002 to April 2003 also, he did, uh, he did a run on Catwoman from 2004 2005 and Punisher in 2006. He'd ink uh, Brad Walker's pencils on the DC Comics miniseries Secret Six, Six Degrees of Devastation in 2006. As a writer, Palmiotti is known for Deadpool, uh, Daughters of the Dragon, The Punisher, Heroes for Hire, and Shanna the She Devil for Marvel Comics. Hawkman, Superboy, and The Monolith for DC comics. Also 21 Down, The Resistance, and The Twilight Experiment for DC's uh, Wildstorm Im- imprint, uh, often in tandem with fellow writer Justin Gray, who we will sort of kind of meet in a little
0: bit. Yeah, as much as we can. Really.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, Palmiadio also co scripted with Garth Ennis a ghostwriter video game that ties in with the film. In uh, July 2010, he started recording Listen to Jimmy, which is a podcast with Monster Mike Campbell of the Canadian comic book and pop culture radio show, Where Monsters Dwell. He hasn't done this for a while, but these episodes are available from the Where Monsters Dwell feed. Palmiotti and Gray were part of the writing team for DC's Countdown, and they also wrote Jonah Hex, which turned into All-Star Western when the new 52 hit, and also G.I. Combat for DC Comics. In June 2013, Palmiotti was the keynote speaker for the 2013 Inkwell Awards ceremony at uh, Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina.
0: That same year, DC Comics attacked Amanda Conner and Jimmy to relaunch the Harley Quinn series. The series is consistently a top seller at DC, creating a large fan base and several spin off miniseries. The first issue of the Rebirth line in August 2016 sold nearly 400,000 copies, the highest seller that month. In 2016, Jimmy Palmiati joined actress Kristana Loken and Jonathan Bates in forming Trio Entertainment. This is a company that churns out intellectual properties for film and television production. In 2016, his character Monolith was optioned by Lionsgate for development, and then in the same year, his character Painkiller Jane was optioned for movie development by Jessica Chastain and her production studio Freckle Films. In March 2017, The Pro was optioned by Paramount Pictures, so... I guess trio entertainment works, right? Seems like it's happening. Uh, Jimmy is married to longtime collaborator and illustrator Amanda Connor. We'll meet her in just a little bit. And they live in Florida. Now on to Justin Gray. Uh, I'm going to handle his bio. Justin Gray was born on Earth at some point, And he collaborated a whole bunch with Jimmy Palmiati. Looks like he got his start in comics as an editor for Palmiotti and Casada's Event Comics in 1999. And we'd go through his bibliography, but... We kind of just did when we went through Palmiotti's stuff. So That's there it is.
1: Uh We hop across the table to meet Amanda Connor. This is another person who was born on Earth at some point. Uh, she studied at the Cubit Q- School in Dover, New Jersey, and worked as a color worked at a color separation company which handled comics coloring prior to the industry's ad- adoption of a computer program such as Photoshop. Then she would work at a comic book store. At the time, she lived a little over an hour from New York City, and on her days off, she would travel to New York City with a father and use his office as a home base from which to call editors at Marvel Comics and DC Comics in order to request portfolio reviews. At the same time, she became acquainted with professional artists through her work at a comic shop and answered an advertisement by artist Bill Sienkiewicz to become his assistant. After about her sixth or seventh time showing her portfolio, Marvel editor Greg Wright gave Connor her first illustration assignment. This was an 11-page Yellow Jacket backup story that appeared in Solo Avengers number 12, November 1988 cover date. Her other early work includes uh, some some work for Excalibur, also Suburban Jersey Ninja She-Devils from Marvel, it was uh, written by Steve Gerba, uh, Strip AIDS USA for Last Gasp in 1988, Uh, And Archie and the Adventures of Bayou Billy uh, Stories for Archie Comics In uh, 1989 to 1990
0: Those are two different comics by the way Yes. I would love an Archie and the Adventures of Bayou Billy But (laughs) it had yet to happen Maybe someday Maybe someday Uh,
1: Now this was around the time that she'd meet Jimmy Tomiotti Who was working as an Inca From
0: 1993 to 1994 She penciled issues 1 through 10 Of Peter David and Richard Howell's creator-owned series Soul Searchers and Company Published by Claypool Comics In 1994, Amanda penciled Barbie Fashion No. 43, a Marvel Comics title that was licensed from the Mattel doll. And that same year, she did her first Vampirella work with Vengeance of Vampirella, a mini-comic that was bundled with an issue of Wizard Magazine. The following year, Amanda penciled issues 2 through 11 of Marvel's Gargoyles, which was based on the Disney Animation Television series of the same name. In 1996, she penciled Kid Death and Fluffy Spring Break Special No. 1 for Topps Comics and Tomo No. 3 for Billy Tucci's Crusade Comics. She also returned to Vampirella with Harris's Vampirella Lives number 1 through 3, which she teamed with, her writer, with writer Warren Ellis. In 1997, Amanda illustrated the intercompany crossover pa- Painkiller Jane vs. the Darkness for Event Comics. It was here, free of the constraints of licensed properties, that Amanda says she found her niche. On PKJ vs. The Darkness, she discovered that it, was in, that it was possible to render material of a dark tone that incorporated black humor. Amanda Connor returned to Painkiller Jane with a number zero issue, which recounted the character's origin. Her other comic book credits include Lois Lane, Codename Knockout, and Birds of Prey for DC Comics, as well as Two-Step with writer Warren Ellis for the Cliffhanger imprint of Wildstorm Comics. She did X-Men Unlimited for Marvel, Gatecrasher, which she she co-created for Black Bull Comics, and The Pro, which we did talk about already.
1: Yes. In 2005, she illustrated the origin for Power Girl in JSA Classified issues 1 through 4. She also penciled the Blade comic uh, to go with a special DVD edition of the film. Connor Palmiati and writer Justin Gray worked together via their multimedia, multimedia entertainment company, Paper Films. They collaborated on the Terra miniseries, which premiered in November 2008, and also the first 12 issues of the Power Girl ongoing series that we're going to be looking at very, very shortly. Yeah. In uh, 2009, Connor drew the Supergirl story in Wednesday Comics, which was like that newsprint mm-hmm. thing that DC put out at the time. That was a real weird experiment. Yeah, I loved it. And that, yeah, yeah, it was re- it was great. And that also fe- uh, featured appearances by Crypto and Streaky the Supercat. Cat. Uh, following her departure from Power Girl, Connor wrote and penciled a story published in Wonder Woman number 600. That was August 2010 cover date. And that featured a team-up between Power Girl, Wonder Woman, and Batgirl. IDW Publishing would release The Art of Amanda Connor in April 2012... DC Comics published DC Comics: The Sequential Art of Amanda Connor the following November. She's drawn uh, every color for, uh, I'm sorry, every cover for Harley Quinn, as well as uh, co-written the series since 2013, and uh, more or less does whatever she wants. Uh, we we wish she would do some more interior. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, her artwork has appeared in movies and on television. And they, they left uh, they left Harley not too long ago.
0: Yeah, uh, this summer or was it last summer? Very very recently. So. Very recently. Uh, I think it was. I think it might have been this past summer. But we did. I did hear a cryptic uh, something from Jimmy Palmiotti months ago, a couple of months ago, yes. where he said that Amanda would be doing interiors, but we haven't heard anything about it since. So, uh, I'll fingers buy, crossed. I'll buy that comic, whatever it is. We'll find mm-hmm. out. So we open up on Val- Valoron, where Vartox, the Hyperman, is battling Cash Cashcave Yeti Pirates. Sure He's referred to as a Tynolan here We love the mention Even though it doesn't really make sense in this context Because remember, Vartox wouldn't venture to Tynola Until after Valoran went boom But here, Valoran still exists So it doesn't Mm -hmm. really make sense, but whatever Uh, He defeats the Yetis However, they get the last laugh By firing a contraceptive bomb into Crystal City Valoran's capital
1: Yes, and as Vartox stomps up to a fallen Yeti pirate He says Foolish Yeti pirates
0: And the Yeti pirate, pinned to the ground, says, Heh!
1: You lose, Vartox! Doesn't appear that way to me. We
0: sacrificed ourselves. Any moment now, our hunters will detonate a contraceptive bomb in the heart of Crystal City. You people will die while we continue to prosper and claim the planet.
1: Vartox vows to find a fix for this, and he orders the assembly of the Valerian Science Council. Several days later, he thinks he's found an answer to their problem. In Vartox's quarters, which are basically decked out like a mid-70s porno set, we we assume. Oh right, um, right. we've never seen. No, no, it, no sure. No, no. no. <laughs> uh, he is approached by his chancellor, Gruvicus Mello, who looks exactly like you might expect someone named Gruvicus Mello to look.
0: Yeah, Gruvicus says, "There will be no future generations."
1: Vartox is aware of this, Chancellor Grifficus Mello. Vartox has a plan. The Cosmosis Crystallis has delivered onto Vartox a handful of potential females with whom Vartox will mate. Which shall you choose? Vartox has chosen the fair-haired beauty whose physical endowments best complement his own.
0: He is, of course, talking about Power Girl, who we must say is far better endowed
1: than Vartox. Yeah, it's not like we're going to break out the measuring tape or anything, but at least from our vantage point, uh, P.G.'s got him beat.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Groovicus wonders what might happen should Power Girl not be all that into Vartox.
1: (laughs) Ha! 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 Vartox enjoys your sense of humor, Chancellor. There's no female in the whole world of universes who can refuse Vartox's many charms.
0: Well, he's got our vote. For sure. Uh, Meanwhile, back on Earth, Power Girl and Dr. Midnight are tracking down the old Wonder Woman villain known as Blue Snowman, who had just stolen a sapphire.
1: And we do mean old. Uh, Blue Blue Snowman's first appearance was Sensation Comics number 59 from way back November 1946, and only appeared a scant handful of times since.
0: Yeah, indeed. This is the first appearance since the nineteen forties right here. Yep. So yeah, that's that's uh, something for your people deep divers to dig out. Now the JSAers make short work of the blue snowman and stop to admire their pipe. Uh snowmen have pipes of course, and yeah. this blue one is no different.
1: Yes, Dr. Midnight inspects and goes, This technology is interesting. Pretty advanced, and it probably costs more than the sapphire's worth.
0: Paragol says, That's the thing I don't understand. I get the Joker, he's crazy, loves chaos, blah blah. The nuts from outer space, they want to rule the planet, universe, whatever. Well then you get these blue snowman types. They'll spend a million creating a hat that shoots weather just to steal something worth half a million.
1: They're misguided souls, I suppose
0: Uh, Very diplomatic of you, Mr. Dr. Yes. Uh, Just then, the sky gets swirly And the heroes are descended upon by Vartox's headship Which is to say, a ship that is shaped like his head Hey, wait a second just like that giant stone head
1: in Zardoz. Oh! oh. Vartox, Vartox appears in the eye of this head and says, uh, Vartox has traversed the cosmos on a mission of love. The object of Vartox's affection is you, Karazorel. el Oh, no. <laughs> We're introduced to Vartox with a caption that is both maddeningly out of step with the Bronze Age and also pretty funny.
0: Vernon O. a.k.a. Vartox.
1: Nope, 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 nope. That's not his real name. Nope. Never was. Nope, nope, nope.
0: Occupation, sexy, super stud from planet Valoran.
1: I have no argument.
0: That's it. Life expectancy, waiting to hear back from the editors.
1: Okay, that's pretty funny. Uh, now, Vartox says, come forth and experience all Vartox has to offer.
0: And Power Girl says to Dr. Midnight, not that I'm looking for one, but why can't a nice guy fall out of the sky?
1: Now Neither Karen nor Peter are all that impressed by Vartox, and so our man fires his musk at them.
0: Smells funny, like burnt armpit hair and elephant urine.
1: Gotta say, that's awfully specific. How did
0: she know what that smells like? Yeah, I don't
1: know. Uh, that's an odd combination. I mean, it's not like a peanut butter cup or anything. Uh, now, uh, Doctor Midnight, he he sniffs some of it up himself, and he passes out moments later.
0: Power Girl says to Vartox, "What have you done to him?"
1: Huh? The male wasn't the male wasn't supposed to inhale the seduction musk. He might be dead, or blind, or sleeping. Vartox isn't sure.
0: I can hear his heart beating. He's already blind. What did you do?
1: He's alive. Excellent. Let's move along with the courtship.
0: Now, Kara, she ain't digging this idea, and Vartox is a bit concerned that she appears to be immune to his musk. So Paragirl socks him one good.
1: Then, Blue Snowman unmasks, revealing themselves to be... A woman! What? And this is a woman who is most certainly not immune to Vartox's musk.
0: What the hell? You're a check.
1: Chicken love, come back, Fartox. I'll be your mate.
0: Oh my God, this isn't happening.
1: you smell him? He smells yummy.
0: Power Girl punches Blue Snowman for good measure, probably for for the best for her. Yeah, you know, unable to win Kara over with his words or his musk. Vartox decides to impress him with his physical prowess by summoning forth a nine nega spike to battle, or is it IX nega spike? One of those. <laughs> uh, he does so with with a so-called transport leash that looks like Zach Morris's cell phone, the big brick. Blue Snowman charges in to fight off the beast for her newly beloved Vartox and gets eaten immediately. Well,
1: that was unfortunate.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself mm-hmm. Vartox is then attacked by the Spike And sent mm-hmm. flying through ne- several nearby apartments His Zack Morris phone breaks in the process Meaning he can't send the monster back from whence it came
1: The transport leash destroyed This isn't part of the plan
0: The plan, of course, is fighting the monster for a bit And pressing Power Girl, then sending it back Power Girl attempts to take care of business But is overpowered by the negaspike Vartox returns to lend a hand
1: Fear not, Vartox has the beast contained Oh, I thought it ate you Vartox notes the concern in your voice and is touched Vartox is touched, all right Oh, it's cold <laughs> uh, Power Girl winds up and pitches the Negaspike into a mountain Vartox makes another attempt for Kara's affections I'm
0: not interested, not now, not ever You read me?
1: You really are playing hard to get Perhaps Vartox should have used a softer, possibly more romantic approach. Did Vartox mention he's an excellent cook as well as lover? <sighs> the Negaspike returns, and when Power Girl asks Vartox if it has any weaknesses, he replies with a, uh, Nope, no, no, the Negaspike is indestructible.
0: Well, Karen takes it as a challenge and uses her super breath to freeze it, and then she winds up for a punch.
1: No, don't.
0: And shatters that sucker all over the mountainside. She then turns to Vortox and says, Okay, dead monster means you go back to whatever corner of the universe you belong to. You shouldn't have done that. You see, the Spike really is indestructible. If you shatter it, each piece just becomes a brand new negaspike.
1: All you've managed to do is make more of them...
0: And then into Power Girl, Volume Two, Number Eight, March 2010 cover date. A groovy kind of love by Palmiotti, Gray, and Connor. Picking up where we left off, Power Girl and Vartox are fighting with that gaggle of nine Nega Spikes. They're really getting nowhere, and that nine is the designation. Let's call them Nega Spikes. let me make it easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're really getting nowhere, and so Kara comes off, comes up with a plan. Vartox isn't sure. They use their respective freeze breath gimmicks to ice up the buggers, and then smash them with heat blasts. When the dust settles, the beasts are as docile as cows. You see, they split into different bodies, but they share one brain. More bits. Each one has less brains.
1: hmm Then Vartox appeals to Kara to listen to what he's come here to pitch, you know. And uh, Power Girl almost punch drunk by this point. Just, She's like, okay, fine, we'll fine. have dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shift to a Vartoxless scene in where in which Satana is in her nightclub convening with her army of half-beasts. She's looking for the ultra-humanite and mentions a creepy bald man who we will meet later. Uh, we head inside Vartox's headship where the main man changes into his formal evening wear, which <laughs> is a see-through robe <laughs> And, in, and an eye patch over his doodad. Uh, that's it. Uh, Power Girl decides she ain't looking across the table at that, and asks him to change. And he does, and he comes back in sort of like a leisure suit, tracksuit hybrid.
0: Yeah, definitely something a lot more tasteful than yes. uh, than what he's wearing. Uh, he excuses himself to finish cooking and invites PG to change into her own evening wear via the board, the onboard clothier. She returns in a beautiful gown, rendering Vartox speechless. Indeed, he's so distracted he doesn't even realize that their dinner is burning on the stove. Kara suggests they order some takeout, and they take the headship to a Brooklyn pizzeria. While, eat- while they eat, Vartox explains his situation. He needs Power Girl to help him repopulate Valoran. Hmm. He tells her all about the conception bomb That was dropped last issue Or the contraceptive bomb And also talks about his long dead wife Which he always has to tell all women When he first meets them uh, Then he gets down to it See, Valerians don't mate the same way humans do They don't perform the uh, You know, the act that mm-hmm. As we know it And there's no sticky stuff involved You know, this is the worst sex ed class You ever had, but we hope you understand uh, Kara's confused and curious
1: At this point, so are we Yeah Now, uh, Vartox brings her to the fertility room He explains that on Valoran All people not named Vartox get pregnant <laughs> Their replication is more spiritual in nature It's sort of like they're giving birth to themselves Like a regeneration of their souls
0: Hey, where did we hear that before?
1: Hmm It also involves something called a pregno-ray
0: No metricom, though uh, upon hearing all of this, Kara responds really the only way she can, as she actually absolutely busts a gut laughing, which I can understand. Vartox continues to explain he's chosen her to stimulate the fertilizer because her Kryptonian DNA can handle it handle it. Power girl figures what the hey and offers her services and Valoran's all fertilized up. Vartox offers up a most sincere thank you, to which Kara basically says, Okay, uh, you go home now.
1: Basically, yeah. uh, Power Girl then goes home herself, where she is greeted by her cat. The issue concludes with Satana talking to that creepy bald man who turns out to be Dr. Savannah. But uh, the design here looks kind of more like Savannah, Jerusalem. You're <laughs> <That's, laughs> fan.
0: does, yeah, very much like that.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. We jump ahead a few issues. Power Girl, Volume 2, Number 12. July 2010 cover date. The Little Things by Palmiati Gray, and Cana. Power Girl and Fake Terra head to the hot springs of Strata. They chat about the latter having been messed with by the ultra-humanite. And then they hang with Atlee, that's the Fake Terra, and her family for yeah. a little bit. Elsewhere, Syvanas, Jerusalem kicks Satana out of bed and calls in like a big daddy from Bioshock to toss her out the window. Uh, (laughs) Kara heads home and she tries to think up a name for her cat. She settles on calling her cat Stinky. Now, that's
0: not a euphemism, folks, and shame on you for thinking that it was. Mm -hmm. The next day, Kara heads to work and runs into a young man named Fisher who looks like he won the third place in a regional Jimmy Olsen look-alike contest. Turns out he's a skeevy little perv who snapped a few compromising pictures of PG, and he's seen the error of his ways and hands over the only copies of the photos.
1: Yeah, Sure,
0: yeah. Uh, After a ride in the subway, Kara emerges from the underground just in time to see Vartox. Hey! And he's fighting some big green guy named Galaxorg. Galaxorg is ticked because he caught Vartox hitting on his wife, although in fairness, Vartox thought she was single. Kara tells him they can fight all they want, but they can't do it here. Uh, Galaxorg throws Vartox into orbit so he can turn his attention to Power Girl, and he proves to be just as big as a sex pest by suggesting he might be persuaded to leave Earth. Like, aren't you married, dude? What the hell? Right. Uh, This goes uh, about just as well as you can imagine it would. Galaxorg refers to Kara as Vartox's whore. (laughs) That doesn't go over well, gives us some funny lines, though.
1: As Galaxor goes,
0: I see now that you're nothing but another of Vartox's whores, and you both must be destroyed. What did you call me?
1: Don't worry, I'll explain to him that we're only friends.
0: We are not friends.
1: You're only saying that because you're angry.
0: (laughs) Power Girl (laughs) beats the hell out of Galaxor, and he finally decides to Vamoose, but not before referring to Vartox as Tynolan Scum.
1: Tynolan? Somebody didn't read the Bronze Age stuff, Galaxorg. Come on.
0: It got blurry there, obviously. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, when the dust settles, Vartox makes a last-ditch appeal for Power Girl's affections. It isn't very effective here. Uh, P.G. escorts him back to his headship to ensure that he actually leaves. And that is the last we see of him in the pre-Flashpoint DCU. The issue, as well as the Palmiati, Gray, and Connor run on the book, ends... With Carrie's employees throwing her a party back at the office.
0: Wow! So that was it. We never would see Vartox ever again never, until ever, ever. <laughs> the new 52. Although these are gonna, this is gonna be a quick one. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Action Comics Volume 2, Number 15, February 2013 cover date. This is Superman at the End of Days. Is the name of the story by Grant Morrison and Rags Morales. In this, Vartox appears in a single panel, fighting a pair of glowing men, but he isn't referenced by name.
1: Now we're talking New 52. We gotta mention Channel 52. Oh, God. Uh, for folks who remember, Channel 52 was an aggressively unfunny news comic that appeared in the back of many issues of early New 52 comics, which would cover some of the goings-on in the new DCU, kind of as it happened. They would refer to things going on in certain books. Yeah. Uh, Vartox here was the pot-bellied sports, sportscaster whose lone highlight was dressing up in a hot dog costume.
0: Yeah, you know, before the, the Channel 52 ambush bug was one of my top favorite DC characters, but... Yep. No longer. Then I I read that. (laughs) Uh, And then his final, most recent appearance was in Harley Quinn and Power Girl, a six-issue miniseries ran from June to December 2015, cover dates by Palmiati, Gray, and Connor. This takes place during a missing panel that happened in the regular series, where Harley and Power Girl blipped out of existence for a moment. Uh, During that time, they went into space, dealt with a whole lot of ancillary DC space stuff, Including Vartox. Oh, he still wanted to marry Power Girl very badly. That was, although actually that's different than what he did before, but now he wanted to marry her. Yeah. Uh, in the sixth issue, Vartox plops Harley and Power Girl in some kind of fake 1950s American suburban setting, hoping to get Power Girl to settle down, and she doesn't.
1: No, and that one had art by uh, Stefan Rue, I think. Oh, Yeah. With- Okay. I believe so, yeah. Uh, now, some uh, out of continuity Vartoxian stuff here. Uh, Young Justice Volume 2. This is the comic book tie in for the Young Justice animated series, in which Vartox appeared in two issues issue 21, December 2012, and 25, April 2013. And here he's a pretty generic freedom fighter. Uh, really, his role could have been filled by anyone. Hold that thought, though, because we're just about to discuss
0: the Supergirl show on CWTV. On that program, Vartox is just some dude with a buzz cut and a hammer. I don't think he even wears a vest all the time. No. Uh, And that's about it. No more to say, really.
1: That's it. Yeah, I I, somebody sent me the uh, the fight scene, and I I watched about two thirds of it before I I I gave up. At
0: the very least, at the very least, couldn't he have a vest and a mustache? Right? You know what I mean? Like, let's give us that anyway.
1: (laughs) Name name him any. Why not just name him Doomsday then? Yeah, he could be
0: anybody. Name him Punch Guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, then for completionist's sake, Death from a distant galaxy. Now, in 1985, EMI produced a 40-minute audio drama based on the Vartok storyline that appeared in Superman issues 273 to, through 275. I'm sorry, 373 to 375. And that was the one where Lana got covered in pudding and turned to stone. And really, if anybody could direct us to that, to a link of this, uh, we would be most grateful.
0: Oh, please. That sounds like something I, I must hear and possibly... Yes. Share with the entire world. It sounds mm-hmm,
1: unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Shout that one from the rooftops. Yeah. Uh,
0: but that concludes everything that we know to date about Vartox. It's true. Uh, that was, of course, all of this research. Uh, the, the vast, vast bulk of it was done by Chris uh, far earlier for his series on ChrisInfiniteEarths.com. And, and we will link to all those uh, reviews in the show notes. But uh, what a strange fella huh you know what i mean like he is I, he is <laughs> we don't we don't have enough of these kind of characters villains whatever anymore where they they're just there like they're not it you know every time they show up isn't world ending you know what i no. mean like nowadays every villain every time they they move it's it's the peril is the whole universe is going to collapse but uh sometimes i like a guy that just shows up to kind of Make things make things weird for a little while, you know what I mean? Exactly.
1: Uh, and when I when I read through this, I I was uh like it jumped jumped from pre-crisis to post-crisis, and I really just hated it. And uh and I wasn't sure what to expect from the uh, Power Girl run, cause I I figured yeah. that they were just gonna, you know, he's just gonna be like some weird gigolo or something. But if you look at those issues, those are the only ones where Va- where Vartox wins. True. You know, he actually he's successful in uh, in refertilizing his home planet. Everywhere else, he's losing things. He's losing his wife, his planet, his mind.
0: <laughs> but but yeah, it, but finally he gets you know he gets, he gets a, he win. Wanted, and he gets he a win. He gets a win. finally gets a win. He's able yep. to actually you know replace his uh, people on Valoran. And uh, yeah, you know that that Power Girl, by the way, is a pretty fun series. I, oh, know, it's wonderful. I'd recommend wonderful. it. It is. I read it in trade. I, I didn't read it when it first came out. It, it is available in trade. That's how I did it. So. Be like me. Go get that from from the thing. Uh, we won't expect you to try to get all the other uh, Vartox appearances. Chris did that work for you, so you don't yes. have to. Um, but if you want to write to us about Vartox, Sean Connery, Zardoz, if you have a copy mm-hmm. of that, or if you have a copy of this EMI-produced 40-minute audio drama that we talked about at the very end, please write to us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon, folks. We want to thank everyone for their Overwhelming amount of support This was really, We did not expect to see So many people enthusiastic to uh, Chip into the cause And we've already started spitting out New shows over on our uh, podcast Feed if you're subscribed you've seen them But uh, if you want to chip in also And get exclusive content head on over To patreon.com slash Chris and Reggie you, and You'll figure it out from there
1: Absolutely uh, you can follow us on Facebook Facebook.com slash Cosmic t History
0: We're on Twitter at Cosmic T-Mill, and I'm on Twitter at Reggie Reggie.
1: I'm at Ace Comics. We now have an Instagram that I've almost figured out, and that one is uh, at Instagram.com slash Cosmic T-Mill. You can check out our weekly writings on newer DC Comics and some classics at WeirdScienceDCComics.com.
0: You can check out Chris's daily writings on a different DC comic every day of the week At chrisminfiniteearths.com That will include a massive Amount about Vartox, but it's mm-hmm. Really been everything as you're coming up On a thousand issues lately, it's been You did a new 52 Aquaman the other day Yes, you did a Doom Patrol last Week, you're all over the place, it's uh Though you really got to go check it out, it's something different every single day. And you uh, said trouble—it's it. been social media trouble. So do go check that out. Chris is on infiniteearth.com.
1: Yes, and if you're if you're checking today as this uh, episode comes out, I'm doing something a little weird at the blog where I'm comparing the look of a Baxter comic with oh, yeah. the newsstand variation. I, I I found a little slider where you can actually you can interact with the picture and slide over to see how the picture looks on both paper stocks. Yeah, I, so you can judge for yourself which is the better, uh, which you like better, all that stuff. I, I'm hoping that the technology works. So, uh,
0: I, I saw you tease it on Twitter, so it, it looked I cool. did, yes. It was interesting, yeah.
1: Indeed. Um, and you can check out the show site. That's weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com, where you can find all of our show notes, our images, our links. Uh, also, the... Uh, Chronological order, uh, ordered episodes of the Cosmic Treadmill, Weird Comics History, all of our sideshows, uh, and hopefully it'll be. It will hopefully we'll make it look a little bit nicer soon.
0: Yes, we. It's on. It's in the works, folks. There's a lot happening. <laughs> I would say by the, before the end of this month, it will look different, if not better. Can we say that much at least? <laughs> yes. We will change the look. Whether it will be improved, that will be that's up to you, the, folks. That's for
1: the folks to decide. But, yeah,
0: but uh, we we do have to uh, shuffle some things around there, but. We have put out a whopper here today, folks. Uh, I think that's all we got from
1: Chris. Got anything else for him? I think I think you can get a uh, a master's in Vartox after this.
0: Hopefully. Definitely, you will. You will. <laughs> you can call yourself a Vartox expert after listening to this mm-hmm. episode. And until next, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill and vow to do so. See
1: ya. Super loving Romeo Ca I can do 'em. A spot on any folder cot and I can prove it to him. I know it sounds dirty,
0: but super gets no dirt on. Cause I wear had to keep my underpants and shirt on. Come to make them jump as if they're doing them. gymnastics the Romeo's are rapping with Just fantastic. Got the girls at the gigs. bringing them in big. So ladies and thing I'm a jigs. Oh egg them. Hey, the girls wanna get some line up going my gig with you. Turn off my lamp, then stamp on you my signature. Then I go and look up so when else that a push up. He'll thank me now, but then we should go with the hookup. And hey, he took the chance, but she can't be romance because she's stuck on soup. And meanwhile, back at the I'm her Romeo Uh.
1: Do you think I'm a Romeo? Sure, right